got it locked on Rodeo Radio. Hey, Tony, drop that. What, please? I bet. Dr. Dre in the place to be. Co rocking shit with my homeboy Steve. After Rodeo, get stupid, son. Yo. Don't think that you can get none of Trey The motherfucking doctor The bitch hopper The sucker motherfucker stopper I'm fucked up so don't mind what I'm saying I'm just kicking it But Steve, Tony, A and Susan Yo, we can choose it Dope shit to put in a mix Know what I'm saying? We kick shit like And, and That's a fact And if your shit ain't in a mix You know it's swag And that ain't no bullshit Kicking facts on a serious tip. Word up, Dr. Dre's in full effect doing serious damage, boy. Tony A! Tony A! When you're ready, go. Welcome back, everybody, to Rhodium Radio, episode 132. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody on the live chat, everybody that's not on the live chat is just home checking it out. Uh, I want to thank the subscribers, the viewers, the, those that commented, those that are liking, those that are disliking, those that are talking crap. It doesn't matter. It's all good. All controversy is good controversy. So keep it coming. But I'm thankful that you guys tuned in on this Wednesday, a historical night here. Before I introduce my very special guest, who is a huge, huge part, if, if a big cornerstone to West Coast hip hop, at least in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. But before that, once again, uh, we are selling ads on DocuMixery.com. You can go to DocuMixery forward slash ads, and there you can buy an ad that we can play during the break. Uh, all the info is there. Uh, some of you have hit me up today and told me, can you can I get my ad on today? Uh, I try to do it, but my cutoff time is two o'clock. If you don't send me your ad by two o'clock on the day of a Wednesday or a Sunday, I cannot put it in. We have so much going on here. But uh, I will be uh, releasing a flyer because we are also looking for another intern because Rodian Radio is growing. So those of you that are tech savvy, that are computer savvy, um, hit us at RodianRadio at gmail.com because we are looking for another uh, intern. Once again, it's growing. We're hoping that by mid this year or hopefully by the end of the year, um, we're going to have another building, a bigger building, where we're going to have Rodian Radio, Freaky Tales, and another podcast that I'm I'm hoping to be doing soon. So uh, keep your ears open for that. For those of you that want to buy merch, uh, hats, shirts, beanies, hard copy CDs, you, uh, downloads, you can go to DocuMixery.com, and there you will find everything. But you'll see all of that during the breaks. Uh, once again... All day today, you know, I like to use the word I was geeked out all day today because to me, I have someone here in my presence that is a huge, huge part to West Coast hip hop. And you know what? I can sit here and hype it all up, but I'd rather have this man share his story so that you guys can appreciate it from the way they say it from the horse's mouth. So other than that, uh, please allow me to introduce my very special guest, Carmelo Alvarez. Como estas? Bien, primo. Primo. <laughs> that's good. That's good. You know what? I know it's Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, how was your Wednesday? I spent Wednesdays with my mom. She's 85 years old. Really? And, um, you know, I got to appreciate her now. Yeah. And uh, she took her COVID um, vaccine today. 
Really? Like, yeah, she took her COVID vaccine and uh, I'll share more about it because she also used to volunteer in uh, Radiotron. She used to actually um, take the bus from Whittier all the way to MacArthur Park because uh, when I opened the, the Radiotron, my mother decided that she wanted to volunteer and do something for the community. So my father took her car keys away and her checkbook Wow. And said, tu y tu hijo están locos. <laughs> but my mother did, you know, she's hardcore. Right. She's like, well, I'm, yo me voy en el bus, you know? Right, right. So she came in the bus all the way to MacArthur Park, which is where we grew up. Okay. So she knew the neighborhood. We used to go to the Piojito right there on Alvarado and 7th Street. Okay. You know, oh. when we went to Catholic school, she'd buy us like the, the shirts and stuff, you know, like <laughs> mismatch. <laughs> One sleeve longer than the other. Right, right. But six kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, my family. mom knew my mom, you know, so there's a... There's um, a time when my when my mom was volunteering at Radiotron, you know? Yeah. She ran the uh, snack bar, and the kids called her uh, Mama Breaker. Mama Breaker. Yeah. So so when the when the women would come and, you know, find out about what kind of place is this, because it was all graffiti, then they were scared, like, it's pandillas. And right. So I didn't allow mamas, you know, with their kids, you know? Right. And I'll go, I, I told my mom, you know, you're going to work with me, but I'm going to call you Sophia, because I want to keep it professional. I'm not going to go, Amma! Amma. That, that's where we. That's the way we would do it. Amma. So we go, right. Sophia, can you talk, hable con la señora? You know, I, know, I know that must have been odd, because I could never call my mother by her first name. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, had, of course. I had to discipline myself, you know. And she went along with it. My mom, me and my mom have a great relationship. She's my best friend. That's awesome. That even, I mean, she's my best friend, like, all my life until today, you know? Same thing with me. Yeah. Uh, that's the, the one thing that I could say that my mother was my best friend. And, and even though she's no longer here, neither is my father, uh, uh, you know, I shared in other episodes that, to me, that's probably, even still now today, one of the hardest things for me to still deal with because she's no longer here. Mm. So, so, so that's why now that I have time, I dedicate, you know, one day to spend with her. That's awesome. And um, so she would go like to the Pirito and say, hey, can you donate some toys, you know, for the kids? My son has a youth center down there. Uh -huh. So they go, okay, yeah, get a shopping cart and fill it. And then she'd run over to the fire department, you know, because she found out they had like toys for tots. So she goes, hey, my son has a youth center, you know. So one Christmas, uh, a fire truck pulled up with toys. And there was a, a gentleman from Otis Art Institute named Al Nodell. And he had rented a, a Santa suit because okay. he wanted to go to the um, to the Optimist Club where they had kids, you know, with ha handicaps, you know. Yeah. And he volunteered to be Santa Claus. So he called me and goes, hey, you know, I got the suit. Let me come down and just sh show the kids, you know, Santa. So he arrived right at the same time that the fire truck was coming with toys. Mm -hmm. So he jumped up on the fire truck and, and he gave toys to the Radiotron kids like that, that Christmas, you know. Wow. But it was because my mom went hustling, you know, down 7th Street right. asking... And then when she was doing that, there was um, a paletero who was getting a ticket for selling without a license, right? And around what year was this? This was in 1980, from 83 to 85. But okay. this was about 84 when okay. this happened. And um, so the paletero was an older gentleman, about 60 years old, you know, and he didn't speak English. So my mom goes, vengase, señor, you know. My son has a center with kids. Vengase. So she brought the paletero, right? Right. So the paletero, I will let the paletero be in the lobby. And, and he would console the kids. There was this kid named Handy Kid who was like handyman. Right. But he was younger. He was like 12. And the paletero was from El Salvador and Handy Kid was El Salvador. Okay. And Handy Kid was bitter because he said, if I had been born in America, I wouldn't have got polio because they have vaccines here and in El Salvador they didn't have the vaccine. So he was bitter. So El Paletero would be like, 
I think they come chipote or something. <laughs> no chipote. <laughs> but I noticed the paletero at the end of the radio tron night. Right. We're locking up. I know the paletero was a little, like, like kind of shifting a little bit. Right, right. So I observed them. I hit. Paletero had two, thi- two things other than paletas in his little carrito. He had a Bible. He would bring out the Bible. But he also had una botellita. Una botellita. But you know, the knife So yeah. my mom brought the paletero. Okay, okay. So they, so they call my mom Mama Breaker. Mama Breaker. A lot of the kids will, will remember her. You, you know, I, I know you mentioned you lived around MacArthur Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, where originally are your parents from? Are they from Mexico or yeah. from here? So originally, um, uh, we're from El Paso. Okay. So my, fa- my mother's from El Paso and my father's from Chihuahua. Okay. So my father, you know, crossed the border, met my mother at um, at the Oasis restaurant where my father uh, was a cook and my mother was a waitress. Okay. My, um, they had like uh, like the soda fountains back in the days, you know? Mm-hmm. So my mother says that one time these, these soldiers came in, one of them was black. And the a manager told my mother to tell the black guy that he couldn't be in there. And my mother said, no, I'm not doing that. So, so from the beginning, my mother already... When she tells us the stories, right. she's already instilling in us, don't be racist, you know? Of course. And you said no. And then, um, so my so my mother didn't know that my father was telling all the clients that that was her girlfriend. My mother didn't know. <laughs> yeah. so she's like, what? You know, so my, my father got her, his his uh, uncles, to call my grandma and ask for my mother's hand in marriage. So my mother uh, came home and my grandma goes, hey, you know, vino el tío de Carmelo. My father's Carmelo, I'm junior, right, Carmelo. And he said, oh, Dad, he wanted to marry you. He goes, oh, but how come he didn't tell me? So my grandma goes, do you want to marry him or not? My mom goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then my father called. He goes, what did you say? ¿Por qué no me dijiste? Pues que dijiste? Pues dije que sí. Okay, bye. He ran down there, you know? Wow. So they got married on um, on, on on Christmas. Uh-huh. And, the, and the party lasted till New Year's. Because everybody's on vacation. So todo el rancho, you know, from Chihuahua to el rancho. Yeah. And all the factory workers were on vacation. And just celebrated. For a week. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So then in 1959, my father became a raitero. Okay. Uh, when they did the um, the, the uh, bracero. Okay. And they were allowing them to come across and work in the fields. Right. So my, my father was part of that cottage industry of buying a stage wagon because Greyhound wouldn't pick up Mexicans. So the Mexicans would be on the road. So my father bought a stage wagon and he would give rides to, to the workers wow. and take them to like Fresno and Bakersfield. So one day my father wasn't coming home, like uh, taking a long time to come back to El Paso. So my mom goes, pack your bags, we're going to Los Angeles. So we arrived at Union Station in 1959. I was like two or three years old. Wow. And I remember seeing uh, the red cars, Los Trambias, you know. Yeah. Electricity. I literally arrived at Union Station. Wow. In 1959. And then we moved to Pico Union. We moved around around Westmoreland, Venice area. Okay. And uh, we would go to MacArthur Park like every Sunday for picnics, you know. So I grew up there right west of downtown. Mm. Uh, MacArthur Park, Pico Union, downtown LA, Broadway. And so, that's where I grew up, bro. So, so you went to uh, uh, elementary school here and high school out here? Yeah, I went to my mother put all, all of us in element, in a Catholic school, uh-huh. St. Thomas. Okay, that's right off of Normandy and uh, near Pico, Normandy area. Okay, so went there. It was like in the sixties. Uh huh. So man, we lived a lot of all the whole sixties trip. 
You know, so see, I thought you were going to ask me about sports because you always ask anybody. Well, uh, we're like, getting there. <laughs> Are you into sports? Yeah, we're getting there. So, so I'm going to jump ahead of and, yes. and, and answer the question about sports, right? Okay. So when I was in elementary school, and uh, it was my turn to bat. Okay. Everybody be like, "That's it, we lost." Really? Yeah. Because I always strike out, right? And then when they were picking teams for basketball, uh huh, they'd be like, um. You can have them. <laughs> like that? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Because I was short. And uh, so I would always fight because they would always be like trying to pick on me like, hey, shrimpy. And I'd be like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Like I'll bring down bullies, you know, like I'll bring them down. Like, I would fight like two bullies at the same time, <laughs> give them headlocks, you know. Wow. So it's very coordinated in some way, but not athletic in sports. Right. But I was good in boxing, you know. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so, so the nuns, you know, they, they don't know what to do with me. So... I don't want to do art. So they gave me a room in during recess and lunch. I had my own like room with art supplies. And they told me I could pick one friend to join me. So I picked this guy named John and he taught me psychedelic art. So we're painting like psychedelic art. And then he he turned me on to uh to cream, you know, like Sunshine of Your Love. So that song was out and I, I we were hearing that painting psychedelic art. Wow. Yeah. But my first my first music was Motown. So we'd go to the little dances, you know, in elementary school, and we danced the pearl and the bear hug. <laughs> but uh, see, they weren't oldies then; they're oldies now. But right, you're so, talking, oh. you're talking, you know, like um, like La 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 means I love you, and Cowboy to Girl, and you know, right. uh, Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, The Temptation, Marvin Gaye, all those. Here's a question for the younger generation, because yeah. this younger generation, of course, we call these songs oldies. Yeah. Back then, they were not oldies. No. So what was the name that you would refer to it? Just Motown? Uh, soul. Soul music. Yeah, that was soul music. Yeah. Okay. The wow. label was Motown, but the right. genre was soul. Okay. Yeah, Marvin Gaye, Al Green, they, they were soul, soul singers, bro. Soul singers. Right, right. And then, and then the Beatles came, like the, the rock. They invaded the British invasion, you know. Right, right. So, so my sisters, I had, I had four four sisters, right. Wow. And I was on. I have a brother. My brother came later, but I basically grew up with four sisters and me in the middle, like okay. two older, two younger. My mother says like bendito entre las mujeres. <laughs> so, so you know, um, so my father says, uh, girls, girls inside, boys outside, and I'm like, but I'm the only boy. Who, who right, I, right. Who I play with. So I heard some kids laughing, you know, so I followed the laughter and there was these two kids, you know, playing. And I just joined in and we started playing tag without even talking. And then I hear somebody yell, get away from that Mexican. And I'm like four years old. I didn't know what a Mexican was. Like that was a bug. So I'm like, oh, oh, oh Mexican, <laughs> Mexican, right? Right, right. And then we kept playing. So then again, I said, get away from that Mexican. So these two kids pick up rocks and they stole me. That's why I have a scar right here. Oh, wow. And I ran away, and I they caught me, and then I saw the blood, and I picked up a rock. But since I lived up the hill, and they were downhill. Right. So when I got a rock, and I threw that rock down the hill. That motherfucker. <laughs> oh, man. I, oh, ah. But I didn't cry. You know, I bled, but I right. didn't cry. You know, that's my first time that I ever experienced that. Like, why are they mad at me? What did I do? You know, right. why are they calling me Mexican? Is that a bad thing? Am I a monster? What is that? Because right. they don't explain to you when you're growing up. And we grew up in El Paso. We talk calo. We mix Spanish and English, you know? Right. That's natural for us. Right. When I talk to my mom, we mix half, uh, así como, estamos hablando. Sí, estamos hablando, you know, de repente, que vamos a la tienda, que, okay, let's go to Danny's. You know, we mix it up. It's natural right. for us. But there was no specifically, like, 
son, come here, let's have a talk. You are a Mexican or you are a Chicano. We didn't have, it's normal, bro. You're just growing up. Right. So there was a tree there, a tree, an arbolito. And when, I, when that happened to me, I went to that little tree. And I made friends with the with los pajaritos, you know? And they were dropping eggshells. And then I picked up a stick and I started drawing. My first artwork, drawing on the dirt. And then my father taught me how to, how to hammer. Como clavar un clavo. And I go, I want a treehouse. So I built a treehouse. Once I built the treehouse, all the kids came. So I've been building treehouse ever since. Really? Radiotron, Justin, they're all treehouses, bro. Because when I built it, kids come and play, bro. They come. That's, that's the root of why I do what I do. That's what I'm doing. I'm recreating that every time. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and in that treehouse, you could be anything. Like me, I was Robin Hood. And I, we take the, the, the twigs from the tree, some, 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 los, los, the inner tubes of the tires, you know? Yes. Cut them and make, make like bone arrows, slingshots, bone arrows. So we were Robin Hood. We were, I was Wolfman. My friend was Dracula. Other guys were Frankenstein. You know? That's awesome. Like we were in the treehouse and that led me to, to theater, you know, later. Right. At, at that time, I didn't, I was just using my imagination and playing as a kid. Yeah. So, so when I went to high school, um, I tried out for football. Okay. So the coach said, no, you're too short. And I go, you're discriminated against me. He goes, okay, I'll let you try out. So I passed all the tests. You know, they clocked me. I made it. So the first day, you like, I'm, I, I went to Cathedral High School, right? Okay. So first game, helmets, cleats, shoulder pads. We're all running out there. So they put me on the bench. And I go, that's okay. I'll get my chance. <laughs> so they're calling numbers like, Number 54 replacing number 24. I'm like, oh, I better check to see what, what number I am. Right. You know what number I was? Blank. No number. The guy had no intention of ever letting me play. Wow. He just let me go through all that. So I got mad. I said, Christian, my, fuck you, man, you're fucking asshole. In my mind, I saw the whole stadium, you know, like right. all the bleachers laughing at me. Ah, <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't happen like that, but right. in my in the imagination of a kid, like 14 years old, that's what I saw. Because you felt he made a fool of you. Yeah, I felt humiliated. So so they brought the, the priests out, the brothers, you know, it's a Catholic high school. They brought the brothers out, and I'm cursing them out, you know. And then the brother goes, well, you should have joined the, dr the drama club. We're doing a play called Oliver Twist, and you would make a great street urchin. And I go, street urchin? What's a street urchin? He goes, it's like a hoodlum. So I was like, oh, you want to see a hoodlum? Oh, I'll show you a hula. So I took the I, I left school. I took the bus. And on the way there, I saw they were protesting. Free los tres. Free los tres. And then uh, back then and along along Hill Street, they would have valet parking. So they would put the keys under the car, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I watched them and they put the key, you know, inside on the under the wheel. And yeah. so so I went over there, you know, hi mister, and then I opened the car. I got the keys. I started the car and I drove up to Woolworths where there was a bunch of homies kicking it right there. Right. And I drove up and I go, Orale, you guys want to go cruising? They're like, yeah. Hell yeah. So they all jumped in. So I started running with the gang on Broadway because of the rejection of sports. Right. But then one day there was this guy named Güero, but he was preto. Yeah, right. You come the opposite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was preto, short, big glasses, Güero, you know? And there was a guy waiting for the bus, a Chicano, long-haired Chicano guy. This was 1970, 71, you know. And he goes, hey, vato, give me some feria. And the Chicano was like, 
I don't got any money, homie, but you know, if I did, I would give it to you. I said, give me some feria. And the guy goes, hey, c calm down. Hey, we're all rasa, man. Haven't you heard of the Chicano moratorium? Did you hear about the Wakas, man? There's a movimiento, man. We're all rasa. When the guy got on the bus, the guy stabbed him in the back. And I saw the blood gush out. So I was like, dude, that's not in me, man. That's not me. Right. I mean, I was doing crazy shit, but that's not me. Like, So I remember my teacher saying, go to Barnesdale's, like an after-school art program. So I went over there, and that's where I met a, a guy named Chester Whitmore, another kid. He was like, I was like 15, he was like 16. And he goes, hey, you want to be in my tap troupe? And I don't know what he saw in me, but he invited me to be in his tap troupe. Right. In fact, today he's on, a, he's a, I posted him, he's a, doing a special for uh, Black History Month okay. on, on, uh, on Central Avenue jazz, you know? Right, right. So so Chester invited me to, to be in his tap troupe, and he, he took me to Inner City Cultural Center. There was a dance studio. And he introduced me to a guy named Faye Nicholas, who was one of the Nicholas brothers from the tap dance duo. The Nicholas brothers were the first African-Americans to appear in Fred Astaire movies. And they did a movie called uh, Stormy Weather with Lena Horne. Yes. And that scene, that tap dance routine, even Fred Astaire says, is the greatest filmed tap routine. And I learned from him that was Chester uh, was their protege. And then a year later, I'm ragtime dancing. Uh, three years later, I'm doing black musical Crenshaw Boulevard. <laughs> so my first experience in entertainment and in and doing theater was that. Wow. Tap dancing, ragtime dancing, black musicals. Wow. And I was telling uh, your, your friend here that when we would do the shows, the, the black audiences, they really cheer the actors like work it give them face right right like woo, like they really encourage right. that you know they were into it yeah i mean they really give a porras you know like yes, mexicans yes. do that like right Echale, yeah. you know but you know Either that but or rasa, say, we're a little bit more say wait no serious I can no rasa's a little bit more conservative you know laid back you know and um so that was my first experience and then after that that was that was on that center was on Pico and uh, New Hampshire near Pico and Vermont, and noticed that hey we don't have any cultural centers here. Where's there a Chicano cultural center? Right. So there was this um this old abandoned porno theater called Fiesta on Pico <laughs> and Hoover. Really. And that's where they would sell you know like all the Rasa would be selling uh, marijuana there. Like it was like an open market, right? Okay. So I went and approached the owner, and he goes, "Okay, how much?" So I gave him a budget, and he funded me to open that theater. But he goes, I have people flying in from Mexico. I, can you get it ready in two weeks? I go, yeah. So I hired all the guys that were selling the dope. I got them painting, they got them, no shit. I got them working, you know? So we opened on time, you know? And then uh, we opened on time. And uh, that was my first theater that I opened in 79, right? Uh, what, what, what motivated you to open up a theater? Because there's not, because I saw like African-Americans, like Bernard Jackson, who was the founder of Inner City. Right. He motivated me because Inner City came out of the, out of the, out of the Watts riots. And it's creating a space for African-American artists. But, but he was bringing everybody in. Like uh, he had Luis Valdez, Teatro Campesino there. He had uh, like uh, Aborigine women's theater from Australia. Like he brought everybody in. Even though it was Afrocentric, but he brought everybody in too. Yeah, okay. you know, 
And I noticed that in my barrio, and even still today, brother, we have like one theater in Boyle Heights, Casa 0101, where I do plays there. We have LATC, okay, that's downtown, that's two. Compared to our population, we're 49% of the LA County population. We're only 5% represented in, in the media, in film. African Americans are 9% of LA County, and they're 9%. And then whites are 77% you're represented. Right. You know, so so look around. I could drive for miles, bro. I could drive for, yeah, I came from Montebello. I drove here. I didn't see one theater. I didn't see one gallery. I didn't see one cultural cafe. I didn't see, there's nothing. Very, very true. So, so we I'm, need to build that, you know? I'm glad you, yeah. you, I'm glad you're bringing that up, you know, and I always like to preach here that us as Rasa, we have a voice and we need to use it. You know, obviously not in a damn negative way, but in a positive way where we unite and uplift each other. And, you know, uh, I always encourage other people to, to be, uh, since we have a voice, we have technology, do your own podcast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I always say, you know, Facebook Live is free. You know, Instagram Live is free. YouTube Live is free. The only thing free, not free, is the internet. Get yourself internet. You can go live. We have a voice. Use it. We can come together, build something. You know, like today I was talking to a, a friend of mine. And uh, first of all, I'm thankful for all the people that are subscribed and people that are watching now because this year I want to do a lot of positive things starting here in my community. You know, whether it be Thanksgiving or Christmas, give away gifts, give away turkeys, do something. That's really what I want to do, you know. Yeah. And you, you're a perfect example of that. That you said, you know what? Th this is our demographic, and yet we have no theaters. We have nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, where do the kids learn how to? If they want to sing, or they want to get into acting, or they want to build sets, or they want to create art, so they go on the streets, man. Streets. They go, they go hit hit up the walls, right? You, you know, th this one man told me this a long time ago, and at first, as a youngster, I didn't understand it. But here's what he said. He said, if we don't father our children, he said, the streets will. Yeah. That's what he said. And, yeah, we got to take them under the wing. Yeah. Like the graffiti writers, I took them under the wing. Yeah. But the city, they didn't want to fund that. They'd rather fund, like, buffing out graffiti. City of LA spends $9.5 to erase graffiti. But you know what the budget for youth art is, for urban art? Zero. You know how much it costs to incarcerate one tagger for a year? 250000 Imagine what you could do for that. Wow. One one kid for you. $9.5 million to wipe, to erase graffiti. Wow. You know, but but to pick up on the story that I'm going to lead into how Radiotron came to be. Yes. I think that's, that's an important, I'm giving the background of me. Yes. So to kind of show that by the time I got to Radiotron, I had already done a lot of things. You know, I had already toured and dancing. I had already opened the theater. And then after I opened a theater in LA on on uh, on Pico and, and Hoover, I went to New York. I just decided to go there because I heard uh, if you make it in New York, you make it anywhere. Yeah. So I took a one-way ticket, $100 and a suitcase, and I didn't know anybody. Wow. So I lived there three years. And in that time, I ran a coffeehouse showcase, and I produced off-off-Broadway off play, and I also produced a performing arts theater group in New York. Okay, okay. Let, let me get this straight, okay? Because you just like blew my mind right now. Hundred bucks and a suitcase, and you didn't know nobody. No. And you just said, "I'm just gonna go." Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Faith. Yeah. Having faith. Yeah. I'm good because if you could make it there, you can make it anywhere. Right. So I took a one-way ticket to make sure I made it. That way I couldn't come back. Right. I, I had to make it. No, no. Now let me ask you this: Growing up and living in LA, then living in New York for three years. 
Uh, wh what years were those again? 1980 to 83. Okay, to 83. Yeah. Okay, because then you came back and that's what started Radiotron. Well, I'm going to say important. it's important to share when I was in New York yes. and I saw breakdancing on Fifth Avenue, kids on cardboard, breakdancing for money in the streets. That's the first time I saw breaking. Right. When I left LA, kids were on the street corners doing robots. Some of them were dressed like Michael Jackson. They had the white gloves. They looked like kind of mimes. They were like mimes. Right. Know? And uh, they were doing pop locking. Like we grew up with Soul Train. You know, we watched that pop locking on Soul right. Train. And then the kids were doing uh, roboting, you know. And then I went to New York, 1980, and I saw breaking first time. I didn't see it in LA. I saw it in New York, like literally in the streets. Well, and well, I said, wow, break, yeah, that's awesome. a new dance. That's a new dance. That's the new, the latest, that's like the new thing, you know? Yeah. And then uh, uh, three years later, the Olympics were going to come to L.A. This was in 83, right? Yeah. So my sister called me, who was married to Trinidad Silva. Trinidad Silva was an, an actor that I met when I was here in L.A. And one day I invited him over for Thanksgiving dinner because he was from Texas and he didn't have a family here. Um, so he made a love connection with my sister, you know? Okay. And ended up getting married. So Trinidad is the guy that plays Froggy in Colors. Colors. Yeah. So there was another guy you were you were interviewing. I think it was Tony G. Tony G. Who said, yeah. "I think the only guy that was in the gang was Froggy." No, he was not. Okay. He wasn't from a gang. He was a he was like a, a, a worker in Texas, and he said, "Come to Hollywood and be an actor." So he did. He was in, in Hill Street Blues. He played a recurring role in Hill Street Blues. Uh huh. He always get because. All Chicanos back in the 70s, that's all we had was gang parts. It wasn't like, that's all you can play. But, but you know what? Okay, okay. He was not a gang. He wasn't a gang member, though. He wasn't a gang member. He was an actor. Right. From Texas. But I could understand a white director. You'll make a great, well, you know. Well, everybody. I, like, I mean, I auditioned for Walking, Walking Proud. When I read the script, and they had Robbie Benson with brown contacts. And, no. Ch Charlie. <laughs> I said, Ch Charlie with that, you know? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to say something. And you... You tell me if I'm wrong for seeing it this way, okay? Yeah. Uh, and I'll accept it. Uh, um, one question before we go to to break is that today we have a lot of Chicanos, a lot of raza. They're proud to be in movies, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for raza winning. Yeah. I really, truly am. Yeah. But when they tell me, "Oh yeah, I played this cholo in prison," or "I get killed by this cop," you know, or I, "I'm a dope dealer," and I feel that's all we're getting. Yeah. My thing is this, because many, many years ago, uh, uh, I was at a friend's house, and I won't mention his name. They were filming a, uh, they were filming him for a documentary, yeah. and these people were from Germany. And this one guy looked at me, and he told me, man, he goes, you know what? If you put tattoos on your eyes and maybe some right here, he said, I have a great role for you for my prison movie. And I'm not going to lie to you. I said, man, is that how you see me, man? Yeah. I said, man, you know what? Fuck you and your movie. Yeah. And he didn't understand yeah. why I got upset. Yeah. You know? Now, my thing is this, um, I'm not gonna knock nobody's hustle, and, and I really wanna say that, but I think that we should reject a lot of these damn roles. Okay, so see, there's a difference between the role and the story. Okay. See, you can play a cholo three-dimensional, and you could play him amazing. Richard Cabrales, you know, he he was nominated for an Emmy thing. Uh -huh. Guy came out of Homeboy's industry. He was in prison, but he's a great actor. Right. He transcends. <laughs> he mm -hmm. transcends because cholos are human beings, man. We're not a thing. We're not a cholos are human. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. So they have they have families. They have they love their mother. They have children. They have lives. 
we're real people, man. Like, right. But if you get into, if you're allowed by the director and the story to really capture the humanity of the person right. who happens to be a cholo or in a gang, but first and foremost, he's a human being. Right. Let us play them with dignity and be real with it. I mean, you know, bro, we're, <laughs> you're from the neighborhood. <laughs> That's family too, you know. Yeah, of course. Same. They, they have kids. They have a mother. Yeah. Talk yes. about like you talk about your mom. I talk about my mom. You know. Right. I mean, come on. Cholos have mothers, grandmothers, fathers, brothers, children. Right. Or human beings. When we're portrayed in a stereotype where we don't have a heart, we don't have a we're psychopaths. We That's just what kill I'm and about. revenge. It's always the same story. You know, my life in the barrio, the revenge, pro revenge. You know, bro. There's forgiveness too. Right. There's sorrow too. There's pain too. Cholos cry too, bro. Right. Cholos cry too, man. Absolutely. Know, they don't just have the tattoo teardrop. They actually do. We're human beings. Give us some dignity with that. But it's up to us to write our stories. And that's what I'm doing now. Yes. I'm dedicating myself to that. Right. So, so Cholos one character, but we're doctors, lawyers, we're many things. Right. You know, but, um, but just before the break, just to kind of set it up, you know, yes. that I got a call from my sister and Trini that they were, they were opening a performing arts academy in LA and they needed a director. So I, I agreed to come back. And we they rented a, an office on 7th and Parkview. And then that's where Radiotron okay, great. grew from that. Awesome, so awesome. When, you, when, I, when you come back then, yes. I'll pick up the story there. Awesome, awesome. So we'll be back in about 10 minutes, everybody. Make sure you call somebody, text somebody, slap the shit out of somebody, let them know that Carmelo Alvarez is in the motherfucking building. We'll be back with Radiotron. 10 minutes, don't fuck around. Welcome back, everybody, to Rolling Radio, episode 132. And uh, we're not going to bullshit, but we're going to go ahead and jump right back into it with Carmelo Alvarez. Sir, I'm glad you're here. Everything you're sharing, it's amazing. Uh, I'm learning a lot, not only what you have told me in the past about Radio Trump, but also about your history. But I, I just had one question, and I think some of our fans would like to know, because you were in New York when pretty much breaking all took off, you yeah. know, uh, early 80s. You went there from 80 to 83. Mm -hmm. Now, you being Mexican, how how was, how was were Mexicans looked at in New York? Did they know what a Mexican was in New York? Not, not really. They, they didn't, well, not only didn't they know what Mexican, they especially didn't know what a Mexican-American was. They assume if you're Mexican, you cross the border. So they didn't know our history that we were here when this was Mexico. Yes. Like my great-grandfather from El Paso, we have documentation. I have papers that my aunt has shared with me that he had land here when it was Mexico. And when they signed the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, they gave him a choice. Like, you could go to Mexico or you could stay here. But he stayed here because he had land here. Yeah. So he had to sign some papers like denouncing Mexico and pledging to, to the United States. So he was here before this was the United States. Our roots go deep to indigenous... Tarumara, Apache, whatever native, and also Mexican where, you know, they crossed the border, but it was like a Rio, you know, they didn't need to show anything. It was, right. they could have, my grandfather had land on, my great-grandfather had land on both sides. There's some in Juarez and some El Paso. Juarez El Paso, you know? So walk back and forth. Right, you know? right. But then they put the line there, La Línea, right? Right. So now, he had a little land over there, he had more over here, he's almost over here. And that's our history, right? 
So they didn't know that. They, people here don't know that. Right. In LA, we're the majority and they don't know that. Right. So in New right. York, in the, in the 80s, there wasn't like a lot of, like I did, couldn't find not even one Mexican restaurant. There was a Spanish restaurant. They confused that, oh, there's a restaurant over there. And I go there, no, Spain, you know? Right, right, right. They have like, uh, what do they call it? The, uh, 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 ball, uh, bull balls or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Bull balls, yeah. Bull balls. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I you know, know. We don't have that. I'm saying that's not Spanish. We're not Spanish. You know? Right, right. So they didn't know that. They would confuse me for Italian okay. or Puerto Rican. Uh -huh. You know, a lot of them Italian. Maybe the way I talk, the way I express myself. Right, right. A lot of people think I'm like Joe Pesci. You know, <laughs> I remember one, one, the guy. Remember the guy that wrote the guy the guy that wrote Breaking. Right, right. Uh, David David Zito. Mm -hmm. One time he took me to pick up some stuff he had in storage. You know, at a guy's house. Uh huh. And I got there, you know, and then the guy that, that had the house, he saw me and he goes, he tells David, he goes, oh my God, I can't believe you brought this guy, you know, amazing. And can I take a picture? And he's taking, I'm taking pictures with the guy and everything. And then the, and then David Zero goes, hey, Carmelo, come on, let's go now. And the guy goes, Carmelo? I thought that was Joe Pesci. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. The live chat's gonna go crazy thinking you're Joe Pesci. So. Well, they think I'm Canelo. Well, yeah, Canelo también. Yeah. Well, Canelo. Canelo took my spot, man. Because before, when you Google Carmelo Alvarez, uh -huh. I would come out, pop out, you know, all the all the work I've done in the right. last forty years, right? But once Canelo came up, oh, me bum me out, man. Yeah. He's top. Well, at least we got all the same last but name. But he's right? good, man. I he's mean, I, I, I mean, I, I back up Canelo, you know. Canelo. He's, he's a great a fighter. Absolutely. Great fighter. Uh, uh, but, now, you come back from New York. What made you come back? So I got a call from my sister in Trinidad. Right. You know, and they're opening up Performing Arts Academy and they're looking for a director okay. to run that. So they knew me from running centers and you know, right. projects. So I thought to myself, this would be a good time to come back home. Okay. Because also the Olympics are coming to LA. Yes. And I'm kind of homesick. So I came back. They had rented an office from Jack Huntsberger mm -hmm. uh, on the corner of 7th and Parkview across from MacArthur Park. And um, I actually moved in there. And I would go to the YMCA at the, it was the uh, Park Plaza which was the Nairobi room. Remember the Nairobi room? Uh-huh, yeah. So Park Plaza and the downstairs, they had a YMCA. So I would go and shower there and get steam and then come have my briefcase, but I had my clothes in the briefcase. I come to work, you know, right, to, right. to the office, right? Right. And I would work there. And um, one day I'm looking out the window and I see this beautiful Chicana getting off the bus in front of the park and I'm following her to the window. I'm going, hmm, nice, you know? So I go, I'm kicking in my office and knock on the door. I open the door and it's her with the big smile. Hi, an agency sent me here to work with you. And that's the mom of my my three kids. Wow. She showed up. Wow. Yeah. So then, uh, uh, so I'm there. And then one day, Jack Kunzberger, the owner, mm -hmm. calls me in the office and he goes, hey, I have a building for you. I have a little building in the back. Would be perfect for your center, you know? I go, okay. And then I go, I need paperwork. So he made a ag rental agreement and he gave me the keys. And he goes, oh, one thing though, every Friday from like 11 to five, there's this club there. I think it's called radio or something. He goes, just tell them they gotta go. They gotta, that's it. It's from 11 to five? Yeah, from 11, it was an after hours. From okay. 11 at night to five in the morning. Five in the morning. Radio club. 
Okay. So, so I'm on a date with, with Cynthia, you know? Mm-hmm. And when 11 o'clock came, I go, hey, Cynthia, I got to go check out this club, that building that Jack gave me. Right, right. So she goes, okay, I'll wait for you here. So I walked over there, and uh, I heard three things. First thing I heard, I took one, one step on the steps, and somebody yelled out, fucking Mexican, and a bottle crashed. Like they threw, they threw a bottle at me, like a 40 ounce, and it crashed on my feet. I heard that. And then I heard, Madonna, Madonna. And somebody goes, what's Madonna doing here? And I heard this, slumming. So fucking Mexican, Madonna, and slumming. Those are the words I heard. So I thought to myself, there's something going on here and they don't want me here. Right. Like they never talked to me. They never bothered to say, hey, you're the new guy. You know, we, we have this thing going or just fucking Mexican. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to be discouraged for everything I've been through in New York. Right, right, <laughs> I grew right. up in the hood. You know, everything I've been through my whole life. Right. Prepare me for that moment. From the little kids, get away from that Mexican trigger. You think, you think if everybody says fucking Mexican, I'm going to stop and. Right. No, bro. Everything in my life happened. Prepare me for that moment. So I go inside. First thing I see is Ice T's rapping on stage. The gloves, you know, spinning. And Ice T's calling, like the it's like a call and response, you know. And and he's like calling the moves, like uh, we got Chick City in the house, head spin. You know, he's calling the action as the breakers are dancing. Right. And I go, this is the new movement here. Bebop, the beatniks, the hippie movement. <laughs> this is the new. This is the new social cultural movement. Right. And that's what I saw. I saw people of all ages, all backgrounds. I saw Ice-T rapping on stage. Right. So I went back to the owner. And I told the owner, I go, you know what? It's a good thing. Let's keep them. Let's, he goes, okay, well, just just keep charging them whatever they're paying. And you pay me that, that'll be your rent. So I went I went and met with the guys. The Ice-T and them, they were DJ, they were like rappers and DJ, they were the artists. Right. But I met with, uh, with the promoters, like these two white guys. So I met with the owner, it's just me and the owner. Okay, I have a building for you. I don't know anything about no radio or nothing. nothing. Right. And then I told the owner, it's, yeah, let's let them be here, you know, it's good. So I went and met with the promoter I go, hey, I like what you guys are doing. You guys keep staying here. And you know what the guy told me? Fuck you. You don't know who we are. Oh, okay. Wow. It's like that, huh? Wow. And then, um, so so I'm there by myself. The building's all painted black. So the guy that had it, another white guy that had it, and the owner moved him to the front building. He was renting to punk rock groups. It was like an underground venue. Right, right. Okay. And radio was one of the one of the clubs that ran it. Right. Know? And uh, so I'm there in the building, and uh, I get a knock on the door, and there's these big, these big tall black guys come in there. They're hey, you fucking Mexican, get the fuck out of here, you know, trying to bully me. But as I told you, my background, what was my first experience of dancing and entertainment? Right. No. Yeah, black, yeah. <laughs> black musicals, and they loved me. They embraced me. They, right. they showed me. They changed my life, bro. I can't hate on that. That's their problem. You call me a Mexican. What's why are you calling me? 
fucking Mexican. Right. That's your, you got a problem. You don't know me. Right. Why don't you sit down and talk to me and find out who I am? If you sat down and talked to me, you'd find out that I have a lot of love for black culture. Yes, absolutely. See, you don't come over here and start yelling at me. And plus, I'm from that neighborhood. Uh, since 59, now that's my neighborhood, you know? Right. So I'm coming from that neighborhood, and I'm like, you know what? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. Straight up like that, see? I can be street, code, code switch, Yeah. street, or corporate. Boom. Corporate sw switch, you know? To Jack, the owner, yes, sir, Mr. Hunsberger. Uh, street guys, they come up, they don't come correct, I'm going to I'm gonna snap, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's how we're raised, right? You're not going to get punked. So then they leave, and I'm there. By myself, I got like five dollars in my pocket. I'm thinking, how many flyers can I make for five bucks? Get another knock. I open it. This guy, hey, I'm from Canon Films. Who the hell has this place? So I had the Manila folder. You know what the lease paperwork? Right. And I here it is. Okay, Mr. Alvarez, we're trying to make a movie here, Breaking. And I go, okay, well, how much? You know? And then they told me, oh, we'll pay you so much. You know, we want it for a week. And I go, okay, fine, I signed. So now the, the next thing is, here come the graffiti writers, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the the building had a, a, a pay phone. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I used. I didn't, I didn't have money to get a phone. You know, I used the pay phone in the, in the lobby. Yeah. So I'm there, you know, uh, Craze and uh, Graph One are, are painting Radio Club. So here comes the Radio Club promoter guy, right? A Russian guy. He's like, they got to pay me for that. Arr. So he runs away, you know, goes to the producers, get a call, ring. Can I talk to a graffiti artist? I go, yeah, yeah. Hey, guys, they're going to on the phone. Graffiti writers come on the phone. Mm -hmm. Hang up. They go and buff out club, and they put Tron. But they put radio with the O as a heart, and then Tron, the O as a heart. So Craze and, and Graph 1. Craze, Puerto Rican, New York, right. Graph, South L.A., Graffiti writers, they're like 15 and 16 year old. They paint that. And that's how the name Radiotron came to be. I, first source, I was there, bro. Right. I just watched it. And if you look closely, if you ever see Radiotron and you look closely, you can notice it's a little gray around where they buffed. You could, you know. Oh, I see what you're yeah, saying. You yeah, you could still notice a little gray around it. And that's how that name came to be. Wow. So then, they came and filmed, so now here comes Ice-T, here comes Boilushra, here comes the whole cast. So they're all filming the dancing right. and everything, right? So at the end, the crew came with buckets of, of gray paint. They were going to buff everything. I'm like, no, 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 hold it. Just leave it like that. I don't need oh, I, okay. I don't need that. Because <laughs> now it's nice. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, well, hold up, man. So you just said, just keep it. Of course, bro. It was, it, it was all dark and scary now it's all just keep it you know so now i'm there by myself again another knock i open the door this little kid gizmo from the hungry breakers hey mister can we break in there i go yeah sure hey the man said we could break this is done this is done you know hey the next thing boom they all roll because the kids were outside when they were filming wow the Hungry Breakers evolved into Air Force crew. Air Force there were crew. kids that would dance in front of El Piojito or McCarthy Park for money, the hung, Hungry Breakers. Right. They were all 11, 12, 13, bunch of little kids, right? So I let them in there, but I, have the, I didn't have any music. 
I had no sound system. I had no right, money. I had right. like five bucks, bro. Right. You know? And uh and the money from 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 the movie. Yeah. I had got a lawyer to make my uh, non-profit youth break center. She upscounted with the money. Really? Yeah. She upscounted with the money. Okay? So I, again, I'm there like no money, right? Wow. So I let the kids in. So here comes a Native American guy that the kids call Psycho. Because he was a little bit slow, you know, but very big heart. Right. And he's all in camouflage and he has a big boombox, right? Hey, mister, you need a security guard? And I'm looking at his boombox. I go, well, if you let me borrow your boombox, you could be the security guard. He goes, okay. Puts the boombox on the stage. So now I got my boombox, got my breakers, and I got my security guard. Psycho. And that's how it came together. That's how it came together. And then my mom came, you know, to help. My right. wife used to work the office, like get everybody to sign like parental permission slips and, you know, watch the door. It was like 50 cents to get in the summer, 50 cents all day. Who, where, where can you find that? You know, right, right. 50 cents all day, you know? That's amazing. So that's, that's how, that, that was the posse, the crew. Yeah. And as far as anybody else, they never came back. Uh, a year later, after it built up, animation came. Animation, animation showed up one day. Peace. Yeah, rest, rest in peace animation. He showed up. He was 17 years old and he wanted to come and he wanted to stay there. I go, okay, I got to talk to your mom. So I went and met his mom. Uh -huh. She gave permission for him to stay there. I gave him a room and he used to stay there. Animation, you know? Wow. And uh, now animation was a lot of people say it this way. He was famous for being at Venice Beach a lot. Okay, so animation's gift was being funny. Mm -hmm. And, and very talented dancer, amazing, yeah. creative, and rapper. He made his own raps, his own beats. I mean, he made special effects, like yeah. animation, you know, and then he wore masks, like, I have, I just found some old rare footage from VHS of him oh. with the Ronald Reagan mask oh, okay. that I have as a CD, in fact, too. Maybe wow. you can, <laughs> you know, yeah. copy it or something. But uh, very talented, very funny. So when I was in New York, I saw, comedians making money in, in uh, Washington Square. And I told him, hey, dude, man, people make money, you know, on the street. You're funny, man, you can make money. So I took him down to Venice Beach and he set up his thing and he, he made a living for like, yeah. till the end, man, he, he was known for that. But he started, you know, when I met him, he had actually won the Coca-Cola dance contest mm -hmm. and he was coming off of that, right? His dream was to be in the movie. Because he, all these kids came after breaking one. Right. So then uh, a year later, after the Olympics, we went to the Olympics. They released a movie, Breaking, then, then Beach Street. So we would actually go to the theaters where they were showing the movie, Breaking, and pass out flyers. And people would leave the theater, the movie theater, to go. and go there and be like, wow, this is just like the movie. Wow. It was weird, you know? Yeah. And uh, and then the Olympics came, and the the the, the cops they 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 knew they would bring kids there like runaways. They they, they wanted everybody off the streets. You know, during the Olympics, they were giving even suits to homeless people. Go ahead. So they they didn't mess with me, you know. So then um, the kids went and danced in front of the Coliseum, mm -hmm. but the LA Breakers they were in the closing ceremony of the Olympics. Yes. But the Radiotron kids animation, he was in front of the Coliseum dancing, you know. We got like a little sponsor on the side, you know. Okay. And then um, the owner sell, says, hey, you know what, I'm going to 
I'm going to sell the property. And, uh, and I go, well, can I have the building? And he goes, yeah, if you can move it, you could have the building. It just hit me in the head, you know, because you can move a building. Okay. It's possible. Yeah. Right? This is the way I think. Right. You know? And the owner goes, yeah, if you can move it, you could have the building. So now I organize the kids, you know, hey, we're marching to City Hall, you know, to, uh, to ask the city to give us land so that we can move the building there. Right. Because at that time, kids were leaving gangs to join breakdance crews and graffiti art crews. In fact, uh, the graffiti art crew that came out of there was like K2S. They were like guys from like four or five different gangs and they formed a crew, right? K2S. And um, so kids, the city's talking about, especially like in the 80s, with the crack and the Uzis right, and yes. Batarams and all this. The gang violence are all time high. But, but now the kids are leaving gangs to join battle breakdancing, graffiti crews, DJ crews. Don't you think that's a great solution that the kids invented? Yes. The city said the city turned their back. In fact, the the, the Surgeon General declared breakdancing hazardous to your health. And I'm like, why don't you declare gangbanging hazardous to your health? So the news came and they interviewed the kids, you know, oh, have you had injuries? And the kids are like, well, I got a bald spot from head spinning, but <laughs> but now we, we use beanies and, right, right, right. and a knee pad. <laughs> they, they invented a little a little cap. <laughs> they actually invented a little cap, you know? Right, right, right. And then and then that's one that's one below right there, like, right? Breakdancing hazards. So nobody wants to sponsor it. They ban hip hop from all city buildings. Okay? Another blow. Then the, here's the third one. The city banned teen clubs. Okay? They passed an ordinance. No more teen clubs. That's why you don't have teen clubs in LA. Before, they used to have underage teen clubs. Right. You don't see that anymore because right. the city passed a law against it. So now here comes the news again. Entry of the kids. Hey, how do you feel about you know the city bans teen clubs? And the kids are like, well, we don't have nowhere to go. Like, what? You know? Right. So look at, look at the, the response from the city. And the kids are dancing, making music, and creating art. Right. I gave the, the graffiti writers a room upstairs called the tag room, where it was a room about this size, and they could tag anything they wanted, but no crossing out and no gang. Right, right. So I would catch a kid tagging. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, mister. I go, all you have to do is ask me. Can I tag that? I go, yeah, go ahead. But, <laughs> but right. just don't cross out and no gang. Yeah. And uh, I used to get um, art supplies from H.T. Daniels like sample markers. I bought them airbrushes. I would go to the corporations and get the recycled paper, like reams of paper so they could use the other side and just practice and practice and practice. Wow. You know? Wow. And and that's what the tagging part, you know? I, I want to share a story with you uh, of me going to Radiotron. Cool. Uh, I know you told me that you had it from 83 to 85. Mm -hmm. Okay. I went in 85 and I want to give a shout out to... Uh, my good friend, Angel Montes, who has the biggest restaurant here in the city of Wilmington, he told me, you know, because what a lot of people may know, may not know that Boogaloo Shrimp, mm -hmm. who's Turbo yeah. uh, in the movie Breaking, and Coco, who was in Breaking 2, mm -hmm. are from my neighborhood. Yeah, okay? yeah. And um, so he said, you know what, uh, they were in the movie, let's go check it out, where's Radiotron. Yeah. We went during the day. So so we got to see kids practicing, hanging out, nice. breaking, okay? Then I got to see this one guy spinning on his head and the, the dude wouldn't fucking stop. And I'm like, amazing. Like first time what they call now power moves. Okay. Yeah. But just spinning on his head, spinning on his head. And then he spins his leg backwards and he takes off his shoes. Oh yeah. And he, and he's spinning around with his shoes like this and he just wouldn't fucking stop. 
So when he when he stopped, I just went up to him and I said, "Hey man, what's your name?" And he said, "My name is Orko." Yeah, Orko. And he was doing all of these crazy moves, and he was telling me he was getting ready to go to New York, and I was like, "Fuck!" It, in my opinion, during that time, because I seen a lot of breakers during that time. In my opinion, I thought he was the best breaker I had ever seen. Yeah, Mexican kid. No, okay. no, he wasn't. Nope. Okay, the, the Air Force crew, Salvadorian. Orko was Salvadorian. Wow. Orko well, and and Little Caesar. They came from Salvador fleeing the war. Wow. But see, you never hear about that. Yeah. All you hear about is MS and that, you know? Right, right. But you don't hear about the Salvadorian kids that assimilated into hip hop. Right. They became right. amazing. Plus, see, this is where the shortness helped them because uh -huh. they were closer to the ground. You know, they yeah. were like the gymnasts, like gymnastics, yes, right? Yes, yes. So, so, so they have that. And they, That's and awesome. they, and they came and they, they had that self-determination, that the ganas, yes, and they excelled, and they became. They ended up dancing for the Queen of England. So imagine from Salvador fleeing war, seeing death, to traveling thirty-six countries dancing in a palace for the Queen of England from from there to there. That's amazing. So there's a lot of stories like that, like like Prime. Let me finish the Prime yes, one yes, because yeah. one time I'm driving on the street down Venice and I see this kid busting like a Scooby Doo, like on the side, like on Venice, a Scooby Doo like a 12-year-old skinny kid. And I, oh, shoot, I backed it up. And he's packing all his spray cans in his backpack, right? And then he's running down the alley, and I'm driving next to him. I go, I like your work. And he goes, what? I go, I like your work. And he stopped. He goes, I thought you were the cops. I go, no, no. I have a center. There's a lot of kids like you over there. They do graffiti. So that was Prime, you know? Yeah. And then Prime started going there every day. That's where he met, you know, Crime and Defer and Duke and the K2S form there. And, STN and K2S and MAK and all the crews, you know, and uh, and now Prime is um is has the he's done work for like the Getty, <laughs> he's in museums, he's in yeah, galleries. Yeah. Same thing with Defer. I mean, a lot wow. of these guys started there, right? And then they just kept doing it, and they become world, world renowned. No, you know. Just to finish up my story really quick about Oracle, because yeah. uh, I saw him in '85. And then I didn't talk to him again till like 97, 98. Somebody was telling me, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, there's a guy that used to be a dope-ass breakdancer. Uh, he married my sister. And I just happened to say, the only dope guy that I've ever seen in my life was Orko. And he goes, oh, that's him. Yeah, Orko. And, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, no way. And he goes, I go, dude, is he right there? He goes, so I talked to him. And I go, look, dude, I know you don't remember me, but I know you told me. And he remembered the story. He goes, I remember I went to New York. And I go, but be honest with me. How was it going over there? to New York and battling those those guys from New York, knowing that breaking started there. Yeah. And he just straight told me they couldn't hang with me. My opinion, I believe he was telling the truth because, but then he said, they, they categorized me saying, I didn't have no footwork, I didn't have no up rock, all you had was power moves. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, whatever. Yeah. But to me, I just thought he was the fucking most amazing. So if you're seeing this Orko, much love, much respect yeah. to you. Another one is Ozrock. Ozrock, yeah. yes. So Ozrock showed up there and he's also trained them in a lot of breaking moves. Uh -huh. So he was a big influence to the kids there in Radiotron. Mm -hmm. So animation did the popping, Orko, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Ozrock yeah. taught the breaking. And then we had the guys teaching DJing, you know, Antron, bunch of other guys teaching, you know, uh, DJing. So yeah. we had DJ, we had like, we had like two, two DJ sets uh -huh. and the kids had headphones and they'd line up and they'd be like, they would take turns, you know? So right. so at Radiotron, you could go DJing for 15, 20 minutes. Then you couldn't jump on popping. Yeah. You could go upstairs and do a little graffiti. Yeah. 
Yeah. There was no set time. I didn't have it. Like I didn't want to structure it. Like, okay, now we're gonna do an hour of breaking and now because <laughs> kids get that all day. Right. Kids get that in school. They wake up. They have to be there at eight, and then the bell rings, and they're like all programmed. So where can kids go to just relax and have a creative space where you know it's uh safe? Yeah. There's no drugs there. No drinking. It's just practicing. Music, dance, art. You have a guy like me there, you know, a Chicano guy. You have my mother, the grandma. You have right. my wife there, you know. Right. So this is the atmosphere. This is the vibe. Parents felt comfortable leaving their kids there. Right. And um, and it's another kid that came out of there was a, a a will dog. He was a little little white kid. The mother took him there, you know. He said, yeah. "Go in there and survive." Well, right. that's will dog who formed the group uh, Oso Motley. Also with um, with uh, uh, Cut Chemist and Charlie Tuna. Okay. You know, so Will Dog came out of there when he was like 10 years old. The mother would drop him off there, you know? Mm -hmm. So this was a, a, an incubator. I saw it as an incubator. I didn't see it as like, Mike, I'm concerned with being hip and doing, you know, and trying to be in the, in the entertainment. I'm more like community-minded yeah. and developing their talents, their skills, and their character, you know? So when the owner said, well, if you can move the building, you could have it. We marched to City Hall. The city turned their back on the kids. But Canon Films saw the news because we were all on the news, right? Right. And then they showed up and they're like, hey, we saw you on the news. What happened? So I told them the story that the owner gave us the building and we marched to City Hall and tried to save it. But the city, they weren't interested because of you know, after they ban hip hop in all city facilities, right. the Surgeon General declares breakdancing hazardous to your health. After all that, the city's like, no, <laughs> no. So then they said, well, we're going to make breaking two. Can we use, because I left the, the original, you know, they didn't right. have to hire a guy anymore and pay it, you know? Right, right. I go, well, well, okay, but why don't you hire some of the kids? So they go, okay. So we made a deal where well, they're going to use that. And then they were gonna hire some of the kids. So I told the kids, hey, they're gonna hire you guys for for breaking two. Go get your work permits, guys. Go get your, yeah. if you need a social security or, you know, yeah. Yeah, get your <laughs> you, know where to buy, you know where to get it. Right, <laughs> right, right. Across the street, <laughs> get anything, <laughs> you can buy pretty anything. Pretty much. Get the paperwork, you know. Even a driver's license. I yeah. tell the guys, the, the, the miqueros, you know, like the micas, you know. Sí. I go, man, you guys, you guys, uh, you guys do more than Obama. Go, what do you mean? <laughs> You guys, you guys provide more green cards. You guys provide more green cards than Obama, you know? So then they were like, nah, nah. They were like, nah, nah. We got this. We got this. Okay, fine. So the day came when they were filming in Casa Mexicana outside because it's a beautiful building. So they hired Zodiac to paint it all graffiti. Right. Outside scene, you know? And uh, I, I, I drove them there, you know? Here's what I want to do. I'm going to press pause right there because we're going to take a 10-minute break. Yeah. But when I come back... I want you to share where they got the story from to make Breaking Two. Yeah. Okay. I think it's very, very important that yeah. this is documented and that you share your story because Breaking One was a su success. Obviously, that they wanted to make a Breaking Two. Yes. And I also want to want to want to know uh, uh, how it was or when you met Boogaloo Shrimp. Mm -hmm. Coco and those guys. Yeah, sure. So we'll come back, everybody. Cool. So we're going to go ahead and take a 10-minute break. So go ahead and warm up your food. Go to Estabo Modelo. Come right back and uh, join, join me and Carmelo Alvarez in this awesome Radiotron historic interview. So 10 minutes, we'll be back. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Rolling Radio, episode 132. And uh, we're not going to bullshit, so we're going to go ahead and uh, pop the tequila and uh, pull out some modelos and have a great time with Carmelo Alvarez. Not to be confused with Canelo Alvarez. So we're going to go ahead and take a little shot right here. Salud. I'm going to sip on mine. Yeah. Salud, brother. Salud, brother. To a long and prosperous life. Gracias. Pick up where you left off, Carmelo. Yeah. And then I'm gonna add, I'm gonna bring it back to something. Okay. So the deal was they're gonna film the interior shots at Radiotron at uh -huh. the Youth Break Center, and they're gonna hire some of the kids. Okay. So when the day of filming came, I dropped off the kids over there at the Casa de la Mexicana in East LA. Right. Because they were doing the exterior shots. Okay. And uh, and this is for breaking two. For breaking two. Okay. So. I uh I had told the kids, hey, you need to get your work permits, you know? And they're like, yeah, nah, we got it, we got it, we got it, you know? Right. It's like, okay, all right. So I dropped them off. I came back to the Radiotron. And you know how I mentioned that we had the pay phone was in the lobby? Yeah. That was our, our, our phone. That was our admin. That was, yeah. that was everything, you know? Right. So I went there. I go, okay, I'm going to wait for their call. About five, ten minutes later, ring. I pick up the phone, and it's quiet. And I go, that's want me to pick you up, huh? And I heard a little voice, yeah. Okay, I'll be there. So I went and picked them up because they said that after they had their costumes and makeup, that the assistant director came around and asked him for permits. And they didn't have it. Wow. Some of them got sent home. Animation got in. Right. So he's in there with a mask, you know. I think Little Caesar, a couple of them got in, you know. Yeah. But most of them, they didn't, you know. And um, so then the... So then the movie came out, right? And I go see it. Little did I know that it was the story of Radiotron of trying to save a center. They never mentioned that they were using that story. But the thing that hurts me, honestly, is that the character of the director of, of the center, of the youth center, they use an African-American older actor and a white mime. Why couldn't they use a, a Chicano actor or Mexican guy? Right. But they had to use an African American, not the, not the actor's fault. Right. And a white mime to be the, the 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 center directors. Right. And then in the movie, they saved the the building, and the building was called Miracles, right? Right. Well, when people ask me, well, how did you get the building? Because you know, no money, no no support from the government. Right. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Because when I get a building, I always say a prayer. I say, God, if you want me to have that building, you're going to give me the keys. Because you know what I'm going to do with them. Yes. And you know what I'm going to do with the keys? What are, you, what are keys for? To open. Open doors. And that's what I do. I open doors. Then Radiotron's one of 12 buildings that I've had that I've opened. That's the most famous one, but I've opened others. In Tijuana, I opened a, I converted a narco tunnel house into wow. an art center, Casa de Tunnel in Tijuana. Wow. And I opened a Espacio Tijuana, a hip hop center. In fact, some of the Radiotron kids went over there to Tijuana and battle Tijuana, you know? Wow. Then I got a three story building called Peace and Justice Center. I opened the Eagle Rock Art Center. I've opened many, many other buildings. And, and that's my purpose in life is right. to open doors. My, my goal is to uh, to have nothing. My goal in life is to have nothing but peace of mind. I don't need material things. So 
I'm working on some film projects and I plan to, you know, use the money, first of all, to help my kids to realize whatever business or dreams they, they have. Yes. Because they've paid a big price of me working with the community and not giving a lot of time to my own kids. They're the unsung heroes, bro, our families. You know, our moms, our wives, our partners, our children. While we're doing our thing, you know, sometimes they, they pay the price too, you know? Because we're making sacrifices. Like, I got to pay the rent for the center and maybe I can't buy them things or I can't take them to Disneyland because I got to pay the rent. Right, right. You know, we're struggling, you know? Right. So, so my goal is to, first and foremost, take care of my children and then to go to, um, I have a list of the 10 more poorest countries right now because I'm a part of Generation Hip Hop Global. We have uh, 67 chapters around the world. And they send me a list of the 10 most poorest countries like Hades and Brazil and Mexico and, uh, you know, Uganda and all these other places. Right, right. So I'm going there and I'm taking them whatever, like if they need a dance floor, we'll build it there. If they need DJ equipment, if they need a center, give them seed money to build the center for them. them. And, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, you mentioned that about breaking two, and I want you just to elaborate a little bit more because what do you think? I mean, they got the story for the movie. Was it that interview that you did with the news? Yeah, yeah, because they 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 saw it on the news. Okay, can, can you can you share what you said on the news and how they used it for the movie? Can, yeah, know? well, what was on the news was that the uh, the building was being shut down because the owner sold it to developers. Right. So if you look at Electric Boogaloo. It's, they're fighting against the developers. And they even have the bulldozers there and the kids dancing for the bulldozers. Right. But in the real radio, Tron, the wrecking ball came. I was there when it went down. Fuck. Like that wrecking ball hit the hit the roof. Push. And then I I, I I went inside, you know, because they were knocking the building down. And I saw just the, the, the rays from the sun hitting radio, Tron. And it was like the blends, the colors, because... It was kind of dark in there, right. but when they hit, when the when the wrecking ball hit the roof, just rays of light hit it inside, you know, and and that was the end. The wrecking balls hit it, you know, right. And but in the movie they saved it, right. You know, the okay. kids saved it. They get, gathered money and saved it. But in reality, no. In reality, they shut it down. The kids went in the street. A lot of kids, we lost them because since they were leaving gangs to join breakdance crews and battling and dancing not in not in fighting you know street shootings and right. drive-bys and that a lot of the kids just went back on the street so we actually sad to say we lost a lot of kids a lot of kids little tough you know from the dominoes he was a regular at Rayotron. just such a beautiful wonderful kid it's so sad man i feel like even like like i get emotional you know sad you know and that's one of others that they're no longer with us they went back in, into the street life you know yeah yeah. So we can we can solve this, you know. We can. The city spends so much money on incarcerating the youth, on on buffing out graffiti, on making laws against youth culture, and we could turn this around. It's not too late, you know. We can still do it. This is the thing I'm going to advocate till my the end of my the end of my life, you know. Right. Right. This is what I do. I'm a youth advocate, and I and I use culture as a tool to to empower the youth. It's a healing. It's a it's a sacred creating space. That's the other element. Like right. you know, the fifth element was knowledge. You know, hip hop. Right. Well, there's another element that's not talked about, which is space. Like okay. Cool Herc, he started in a space in a in a community room. 
Right. Like in the Bronx. For, for, for the people that mean, I, I'm sorry to end it for any No, no, it's okay. For the people that mean, I know what we're talking about. We're talking about the, first of all, the four elements of hip hop, which is emceeing, DJing, b-boying, which is breaking and popping, and, uh, uh, what was it? graffiti. Okay. Mm -hmm. Four elements. People have added knowledge. And you're saying space, a, a place yeah. where people can come. Well, what, what, if you don't have that, if if Cool Herc didn't have that community room, right? What, what, there, they, there wouldn't be no hip hop. They, they wouldn't have been it. And then also it was youth because he was doing it for his sister. I think she was 15, 16. Yeah. Maybe like sweet, sweet 16 party, you know? Yeah. So teenagers, youth. Because I was in New York, you know, in the 80s and the clubs, they were very exclusive. Like Club 54, you had to wait in line and you had to dress a certain way. And certain way, yeah. Where where the kids don't have no money. Where they're not going to, they're not going to, plus they're not even 21, you know? Right. So we need spaces for kids to socialize and be creative. That's essential. That's essential. And I really believe, because it turned my life around. Yeah. When I was 15, I was doing travieso running around. Right. But I went to Barnesville Junior Art Center. I met Chester, turned me on to tap. Changed my life, bro. You know what I got? I got this. Yeah. Wow, you're really good. I am? Wow. Nobody told me that. And that was your pay. That was it. So I'm giving that back to the kids, you know? That's awesome. This is what I do, bro. This That's is a beautiful thing. My, my purpose in life, you know? Now, now, now let me ask you this. Uh, when Breaking 2 came out, I, I know in Breaking 1, they paid you. Mm -hmm. Breaking 2, did you get anything? Yes. Okay, okay so now we're going to get into Breaking 2. Okay. Because in Breaking 1, the lawyer <laughs> upscounted with the money because he goes, they have to write me the check because you don't have a bank account. Mm -hmm. So when I went over there to get, like, buy food, I, I need money. Gone, bro. But in, in Breaking 2, like, okay, so in Breaking 2, they paid me. Okay. And by then, okay, I had my son. So my wife, she lived with her mother, you know? And she's and then she came one day and said, hey, my mom said, like, either get hook up with you or like, you know, we can't be keep living there, you know? Right. So so I went and rent an apartment. So I used the money to rent an apartment. And that's where KDAY and Tony T and Macatech Mixmasters. Yeah. Tony it all worked out, but it's just a divine intervention. Right. Because when I worked every day open six days a week for the kids in the summer all day from 11 to 7 at night and then on on Friday and Saturday nights so you know what I did on Sunday sleep you can't have a family right you work all week sleep all day so I was like Tony said hey man let me do some shows over here I said handle it handle it bro because I need to spend time with my family I need to you could be up there all night Saturday right and I won't be with my family we're gonna wake up on Sunday. We're gonna go to church. Right. We're gonna go to the park. We're gonna go eat. Right. And then by then, my my, my daughter was coming. So now I was gonna now I have two. Right. <laughs> and my right, son right. and my daughter. You know. Now, now just to to uh, elaborate a little bit more, when you said Tony, you're talking about Tony G, Katie, Mix Master. Yeah. Comes in, and that's what I wanted to ask you because I went there during the day. Uh, I want to say again, it was '85. I believe it was the last mm -hmm. year. Yeah. And then uh, you guys started having night dances on the weekends well we always ha had uh, we always had shows because see the kids that would come in like little caesar and all them work them uh -huh. so their thing was like they didn't pay but they practice all day right 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 so their pay was on the weekend do shows battle <laughs> okay that's your pay you know that was right. the attraction right since i didn't, couldn't get any grants no donations nobody wanted to be on the board i only had one board member lindsey haley she was a poet from venice beach you know, that was it. She was the only one that agreed to be on the board because okay. nobody wanted to be on the board. Like, right. you have graffiti, 
banned by the city, outlawed, right? You have breakdancing, the Surgeon General, you can have that. The city ordinance, you can't have, who's gonna be on your board of directors? But you think you're gonna get support from the government for that? No. I get cursed out by the politicians. They corner me like, what the hell are you doing? You're advocating vandalism. I go, no, I give them permission. Okay, not vandalism, you give right, permission. Right. I let them paint the building, but I had to see their stuff first, you know. Of but, course. But I let them paint inside, outside, top to bottom, whatever, you know. So this was just, the radio channel was just something totally different that people saw as like, it's it's too new, it's too different. Uh, kids are getting hurt, this is vandalism, and uh, um, they kind of saw it hazardous, if you but, will. But in, right, but in reality, they're leaving gangs, they're yes. leaving drugs. They're positive. They're working out, they're all together. Black, brown, white, Asian, Filipino, all no color barriers there. It, it brought everybody together. Yeah, yeah. we had. The, we even had a, a Yvonne. She was like the first B girl, breakdance girl. You know. Wow. Uh, we had the um, the bizarre girls. They were like a regular, you know, <laughs> party crew. You know. Yeah. And then Tony came at a very good time because we'd go to K Day to promote, you know, the events. Right. And there was a guy named Rory. He was like the community relations guy. Yeah. Because it was Greg Mack used to be the the disc jockey for yes. Katie, but they had their community liaison, which was Rory. Right. So he'd always be there, you know, referring kids there. And then Tony G came in and he goes, Hey, I'll let me run the let me run the weekends, you know? I said, Bro, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> and he was an yeah. amazing DJ, like, bro, you know, he's yes, well, it could yeah. be like gonna beat him, you know? Yeah. And, so, and, and that's when the second time I win. I walked in, and I need to share this because I walked in, and I heard a song called "The Show" by Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick, mm -hmm. and I heard it. Uh, as a matter of fact, for those of you that may not know that song, it had the Inspector Gadget part in it. Yeah. And I walked in, I saw him, and I saw a Latino, you know, cutting it up, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" Because during that time, as growing up as a DJ, for me, all the DJs were black. All the DJs were black, at least from what I've seen. So seeing a Latino out there would just blew me the hell away. Oh, Jelly Bean Benitez. Yeah, but ese era from Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. Puerto Rican, yeah. Yeah, from New York. So so um so Tony G took over. Yes. That was like the first it was like the radio club, mm -hmm. you know. And then the Radio Tron Youth yes. Center. And then it was Tony G, KDAY, Mixmasters, Radio Tron. It was like the another version right another you know like version. the remix of the club yeah the remix of the club and but see he was drawing a different crowd yes he was drawing the more professional hip-hop scene right whereas me i was drawing little kids from the neighborhood right that's what i do bro i'm not trying to be that i'm doing what i'm doing and i'm happy i'm i'm blessed to know my purpose in life and i feel fulfilled fulfillment in that yeah, I don't inspire to be, you know, to blow up and right. and have a house in Beverly Hills and drive a Ferrari. I, I aspire to give money to people to open youth centers and, you know, I'll probably upgrade my RV. That's about it. Right, know? right, right, right. right. <laughs> but uh, but that's not my purpose. So right, I'm right. okay. You know, like like if you have if you if you know what your purpose in life is and you're doing it, you're happy. Right, right. You're, you're like success is being happy. Right. So it's not how much money you have is. Are you happy? And yes. I'm happy, bro. I found happiness. Likewise. And I found happiness because I chose happiness. And people are like, yeah, but what if something bad happens? I go, well, I might feel bad, but I'm not my feelings. My feelings is something that I have, but it's not who I am. Right. You know, I mean, I went from uh, from being the guy that swung out. <laughs> right, right, they, struck they, out, yeah. They, they didn't pick. <laughs> you could have them. <laughs> you know, the guy with no number. Right. 
to being a loving, caring, creative, funny, and sometimes smart, because I'm still working on this. <laughs> you know, knowledge. Right, right, I'm right, working right. on the fifth element. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm working on the fifth element, you know? Right, right. But I encourage people listening to to create space. Yes. And and also to form a movement. If you get if you get like uh ten homies to put up two hundred bucks a month, go rent you a spot, man. Yes. But make sure it has parking and check out the zoning to make sure you can get permits. Yeah. Because when it blows up, you don't want to get shut down and sustain it. And then from those homies, five break off and they open another spot. So now you got two. And then right. from that spot, both break off and each one has one. So now you got a whole community creating culture, like venues for the youth, for culture, for music, for dance, for art, for cultura. La cultura cura, you know? Sí. That is our medicine from the traditional, from the beginning. It's our medicine, bro. It's the yeah. best of our people. Absolutely. Let's highlight the best of a people. That's culture. Yes. Is the best of a people, the morals, the values, the tradition. That which you're going to pass on to your children and your children's children. Awesome. And that's why when I say I'm an advocate for youth and culture, because youth are the light and the hope of the world. And culture is the best of the people. That which you're going to pass down to your children and children's children. And this is my purpose. That's beautiful. And that's why I'm here <laughs> with you. And uh, I'll say uh, salute to... Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to put myself some more. <laughs> salute to La Cultura. To la cultura. Yeah. Y los jóvenes. Los jóvenes. Unity amongst raza. So. Salud, brother. So, yeah. So, that's how that's how it happened. And I saw, you know, I saw the, the film and I'm like, they never gave me the credit. It's okay. I wasn't doing it for the credit. So, I, I don't hate on that. Right. But I'll tell you this. Um, movie Breaking. Yes. It cost $2 million to make. Yeah. And it made, like, after you know a, a DVD, you know yeah. uh, sales and all that, uh, up to fifty million. After a year that after a year after Breaking came out, right? Uh, I think it the first year it made like 30, 38 million, right? Wow. And only cost two million. So that thirty six million to play with. Now, if the if the Raidertron is is closing, and the owner's selling the land. And he's giving us the building. Don't you think they could have put at least one million dollars, like at least ten percent of whatever the movie grossed, like, and buy some land and donate and write it off? But instead of doing that, they went and made a, a breaking two and took the story, but no, no credit story by. And they didn't even put a Chicano as the director. Yeah. They should have put a Chicano as a director because. Our people, they don't see anybody that looks like them in those positions of directors and, and authority. Yeah. Now, I give bad respect to my colleagues, uh, Ben Cottowell, Project Bloat. I've given him the Youth Advocacy Award at Radiotron, uh, B Hall of uh, The Good Life. Yeah. I've given her an award. Uh, we gave uh, Shabadoo an award, a, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Rest in peace. Rest in peace with the Universal Hip Hop Museum. Yeah. And we gave him an award. I gave uh, Boogaloo Shrimp an award for, you know, the same the same thing, you know? That weenie. I give him awards, you know, and I give, like, some graffiti writers, you know, awards, too, like the Golden Spray Kennel Award. Right, you right, know? right. So I always uh, acknowledge uh, the artists, the advocates, but I feel that that the people that hold space, that we're, we need to acknowledge that, and we need to build that, because that's the incubator where you can grow the culture. Yes, yes. Where are they going to do it, bro? Where are they going to do it? Back alleys or abandoned houses or something? No, bro. Yeah. It's got to be 
safe space, clean space, nurturing spaces. Kids can comfortable. Your grandkids want to go. Yeah, let them go. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Sounds good. Then and then now with the Olympics, so. So uh, I saw. Let's talk a little bit about that because a lot yeah. of people may not know that now they incorporated breakdancing yeah. in the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, how did you first hear about that? Well, I've been hearing about it for years. Like we've been advocating because, um, like for example, uh, do you know who the top breakdancers, like the world most world-renowned breakdancers, are? Not right now. No, I don't. Like the Koreans. Really. Koreans in the world global competitions, Koreans are high. But you know why? Because the Korean government, they do, they do create spaces for them. Have you ever been to Koreatown? No, no. Oh, no, not, not Korea, but Koreatown C. And how is it there? I mean, it's nice, right? Yeah. You see kids like teenagers walking on the street, nice clothes, happy, laughing. But as you go east and you cross Hoover, <laughs> See, you get to you get to Lafayette Park and MacArthur Park and Alvarado. What happens? Oh, uh, Bumville changes. Yeah. Why can't our people have that? I know. Why can't Bull Heights? Why can't Wilmington Bull Heights? You know, Southgate South and Lingwood. Why can't? Why can't? They can. Yeah. But like when I say why can't they? There's no reason. There's no SK. You know SK? No SK. <laughs> <laughs> no, es que cuesta dinero, no es que... No, I told him, you know what? Que... Delete esques. Porque no se puede. No, delete, delete esques. I so know. you can make a list of... I'm going to have to use that one. I like that yeah, one. Yeah, you can make a list of 100 reasons why you can't do it. And, and, and you know what? I'm glad you're saying that because most people, when I talked about podcasting, you shouldn't do it because of this, you shouldn't do it because of that, yeah. you shouldn't do it because... And I, I even said, okay, you give me five reasons why I can't. Tell me one reason how I can. And he didn't know. You know what? You know what? What reason? No reason. So you have to be unreasonable. You have to delete those those uh, uh, reasons. Delete them. Like yeah. delete, 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 delete. Yes. And there's no reason why we can't do that. Yeah. There's no reason. There's and nobody's stopping us. Right. There's nobody stopping you, us. You know, let me encourage uh, the people watching right now. Is that when I when I started this podcast, a lot of people told me don't go live. Nobody's gonna tune in. Uh, you're going to be begging people for subscribers. Nobody's going to watch. Nobody cares. Just put it up on Spotify. Let them listen to it. They can pause, listen to it whenever they want. And I said, no. I did over 60 interviews in early 2019 to promote the documentary that I directed. Or maybe only two or three were live. And they only had maybe six uh, um, people watching. One, one guy had nine. I think one had like 16. I went back maybe like two months later. One of them had like 120 views. They were all trying to discourage me. Do not go live. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna tune in. Okay. Every time we go live, we average a thousand people. Every single time. Uh, the the night we went live, uh, 2019 September 11th, we had 238 subscribers, and we had about 40 people on the live chat. And let me tell you something. One year later, exactly one year later today, we had 20, 27,000 subscribers. It, on a slow night, we have at least a thousand viewers. Honestly, the the biggest crowd we've ever had live was ten thousand people. Well, I put it on a, on a Generation Hip Hop Global. We have sixty seven countries mm -hmm. representing. Yes, and even though they might not, they're because of the time differences. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I I put right there. Catch it on mm -hmm. <laughs> catch it on uh, on YouTube. You know, yes. like later. You know. Yes. So there'll be other people coming. So it's a global movement, brother. So so. Uh, 
I say that to say this to encourage people. When somebody tells you you can't do it because of this, you can't do it because of this, or porque este, porque este, porque este. Es que. Yeah, es que. You es know que. Exactly. No, you know que. what? Ask those same people. Okay, you told me six different reasons how I can't make it work. Give me one how I can. Yeah. And they won't have that solution. You well, just gotta do what, it. What what comes out of here? Yes. It becomes an action. So I'm gonna be making a, a movie and I'm also working on a series, a hip hop series. Okay? Awesome. I can't talk about it. Awesome. That's all I'm saying. Yes. And the money, I'm gonna take care of my kids. You know, break them off first and foremost because they're the unsung heroes. Yes. And uh, and then I'm gonna be giving some seeds to barrios and then the poorest countries, seeds, so they could plant. So when I die, I don't want nothing. I want to. I want to have nothing, and and I want to be planted. I told my my family, I go mulch me, <laughs> mulch me, <laughs> mulch me, and put them put a tree. If I could even do it in MacArthur Park, I talked to the director. I go, hey, if I die, can can they mulch me here and put a tree? <laughs> hopefully, I won't. He goes, hopefully, I won't be here. But <laughs> he goes, no, it's que no. He goes, no. He goes, hopefully, I won't be here. But <laughs> hey, that would be a beautiful thing, man. Because you know, I started with the tree. I started with the treehouse. I started building a treehouse, and the kids came to play with me. And in that treehouse, you could be anything you wanted to be. And this is what I've done. 12 centers are 12 tree houses and and kids can be whatever they imagine like they can create possibilities that's the realm where we have to play that's the realm the realm of possibilities yeah. and that's and that's it bro that's it especially right now you know there's you know you know what the increase of uh, of covid and rasa is a thousand percent wow a thousand percent really a thousand percent increase in rasa that's crazy wow we're number one in jail we're number one in all the negatives right but but that's then and we have to create now the possibility and use this time to to create this is the time for us to to go in yes and and create and create the possibilities like me i'm focusing on writing like i'm i'm writing yes like i told i told my it was um i told my son uh it was his birthday like two days ago, and he's very creative. And I told him, I go, mijo, all you need is a piece of paper and a pencil with an eraser. Not a pen, because you can't erase. Right, right, right. But right. all you need is a piece of paper and a pencil with an eraser. A number two, preferably, because you can write a screenplay. You can draw. You can design fashion. You could do anything with that. That's all you need. That's it. A piece of paper and a pencil. That's your tool right there. And that's all, I, that's, that's, I'm working towards that. Right. I don't right. need anything. You, you know what, uh, Carmelo, let me ask you a question. Probably, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but I'm gonna ask you. Uh, I'm not gonna ask you how old do you look, how old do you feel inside? Well, I have to keep reminding myself that I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. I have to keep reminding myself, hey, you're old, you know, you're, I don't, I don't, I feel, I feel, life you know i feel i feel fulfilled you know i feel happy i feel uh i feel that i can still do th a lot yes. of things you yes. know i'm okay like i'm right you know I, I i went to the doctor and the doctor goes you know you have an incurable disease and i go what's that he goes, aging 
But other, but other than that, it's all good. Right. Everything works. He goes, but you gotta you gotta use it because if you don't use it, you lose it. You know. Right, right, right. So right. I gotta use it. You know. So that you means know. exercise, eat well, yes. sleep. Uh, if you get negative thoughts, you know, replace them. Like, there's gonna be a percentage of people that don't like me. Like, like they might see my picture and they automatically don't like me because maybe I remind them of an uncle that beat them up or something, right? <laughs> So, so I used to focus too much on the negative comment or that one person that didn't like me. And I went to therapy and I don't mind saying it because uh, my last job, I was a gang interventionist for the mayor's office here of LA. And I dealt with a lot of um, death. You mm. know, those two girls that got shot in Depp's Park? Yeah. They were our clients. And I remember I, I took flowers to the mothers. Right. And I was in the funerals. And I had secondary trauma, which is compassion fatigue, where I'm like a sponge. I absorb like all the pain and suffering of our people. Yeah. So I, so I went to the therapy that I was referring the kids to. So USC has a, a, a free, you could Google that, you know. USC um, therapy is free. You get 12 sessions. And I took that. And they gave me a good tool. They flipped it around. Because see, I was only focusing on the negative but how about all those kids that appreciate me, that love me, that kids were writing me letters saying, hey, Carmelo, if I don't see you, I just want to say thank you because you believed in me. And I'd be focusing on like, I let him down. And, and they go, no, bro. If if uh, if two, three people talk shit about you, because they're full of shit. <laughs> they're most likely full of shit. Yeah. And but, they're watching. But, but that's okay because maybe they had some trauma in their life and that's how they express themselves. Doesn't mean they're not paying attention. Maybe they need a hug. Well, if 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 in this if in this if in this interview, like I can touch one person out there to transform their life, then that's it, man. That's why I'm here. That's the porqué. The yeah. porqué estoy aquí. Why why am I here? You know, I'm fulfilling my purpose in life. Yeah. And um, so and I encourage people like therapy is a good thing. Like don't try to be like. I know, que está loco. <laughs> we got to erase that, bro. It's out there, man. Seek help. Right, right, Seek right. help, man. It's out there for you. Go seek that help. Yeah. Talk to somebody. Use these ducats, man. I was telling you, you know, before the show, yeah, we're yeah. talking about crying, you know, like yeah. that. When, when, when you're a guy, you know, like in the familia, you know, especially like I grew up with my father in Mexicano, right? Right. And you cry, ay, chiron, pareces vieja, you know? So you're like trying to hold it in, like, you know, like man up, all tough, you know? But right. then later... With the pistol, and then you're doing other shit, and you're all witties, you're all chion right there, all pedo, all chion, you know? Like, no, bro, it's okay, man. Let it roll. Let, yeah. let, God gave us tear ducats, man. God God gave men and women these little tear du ducks, right? Tear ducks. Yes. So that when we feel emotion, it's a valve that releases. And once we understand it, we don't have to be all chill, like, ah! <laughs> but we can just let it roll, man. Like I cry out of happiness, I cry out of sadness, and I just let them let them roll, man. It's very I joy. It's so he it's so healing. You have joy, man. It's so healing. It's so refreshing. It's like it's a tool that it's built in us. No, it is. It is. And we weren't meant to cry, but we we wouldn't have these. We just don't like to admit it. Well, it's time to evolve. Yes. You know, and the other thing is like um uh. One time I, I was in a healing circle, but women invited me to the healing circle and they gave me uh, some cacao, you know, like the 
Aztecas, they would drink cacao, you know, as a healing ceremony. I don't know what that is, but... It's like chocolate, what they make chocolate from. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay. So we're drinking the chocolate, you know, on a healing ceremony, and I close my eyes, you know, and I had a vision of myself as a as a sperm, the as hell? a sperm, you know, as a as a seed, right? Really? Yeah. And I'm and I'm and I'm like I'm like a little sperm going like that, you know. And then other ones are, are fizzling out. They're like some of them give up, you know. They they like fizzle out, right? But I'm like, I'm a, I'm a, you know, like not even knowing what that is, but just the will to live, right? So what I discovered was my divinity. What I discovered that all of us alive today were divine beings. And and you see children, they're divine beings. But society begins to put things on them like, no hagas eso y no hagas esto y que, you know, all that, like we said, like, pareces vieja and don't cry, you know, no te dejes. And we start putting all this crap and we forget that we're divine beings. So people say, yeah, but what about the people that are born with uh, some kind of a handicap, like, well, they're even more strong because in spite of that, they still will to be. Yes. And those are angels. I walked into a room where one of my clients, a sister, she was in 24 hour care. She was born with a lot of defects, you know, and she was in the bed like that, you know, 24 hour care. And I walked into to the room and I saw an angel. So pure, like no maldad, no, there's no evil, no harm hurts nobody like the essence of divinity and innocence right there in your presence. I was so honored and I cried because I was like, wow. See, we start seeing people in that way. You start seeing the, the divinity in each person. Yes. They, we're all alive for a, for a reason. We're all alive for a purpose. So our mission in life is to fulfill our purpose. Absolutely. So why was this person taken then at that time? They fulfilled their mission. So me, I have a mission. So. Unless I get run over or something, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to strive for, for fulfilling my mission. The beautiful thing is knowing what your mission is. Yes. So how you find it is you got to assess your gifts. Like, obviously, I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to be a, a, a Car Carmelo Anthony, you know, right, 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 right. like I'm not, you know, but, but I am a guy that opens spaces for you because I'm a youth advocate and I'm yes. a cultural advocate. So what I did was, uh, when you align your, your gifts with your purpose, that's the key that opens doors to possibilities. That's where the magic starts happening. I got Radiotron by divine intervention. I didn't take it from anybody. It was given to me. The keys were given to me for me to open doors for the youth. That's what I did and I'll continue to open other doors yeah. even if the doors are here. These are the, these are the doors that this is the center. Here's yeah. our center, right? Yeah. This is our center, you know? Right, right. So we have to open these doors in here and, and, and in here. And, and you know what? You opening up that center, uh, the whole world now knows Radiotron. And I have the man right across from me. Well, I'm, I'm the, 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 the vehicle, you know, I'm the, the conduit. I'm the conduit. It's like the extension cord that you plug into the wall. Yes, but yes. I'm not the electricity, you know? Right, right. The source is the electricity. Of course. You know, and yes. that's the creator. Right. The creator. Because I say, God, if you want me to have that building, you're going to give me the keys. And he blessed you with that. Yes. So whoever wants to argue about it, go ahead. But you can't argue with destiny. Absolutely. Can't wow. argue with destiny, that's bro. That's beautiful. I like the way you put that. Wow. Shit. Salud. Salud. Hold on. I, I, I got to support myself another one. Fuck, that was beautiful, man. I'm still on the first one. 
Salud, my brother. No, you got to hurry up and down that one, man, because they're not paying you enough to babysit that one. <laughs> okay. Mm. Yeah, I look forward to this day when I see you. I see your show, and I'm like, you know, you're you're doing the, the tequila shots, and I'm like, one day I'll be there with Tony doing tequila shots. And you know what? And the day came. Yes, and you don't even have to be on Rodeo Radio after this. You could just come, and we'll just chill. But I want you to I want you to answer me this. I'm gonna answer me first. And I always like to ask people this question. If you would have never have seen yourself, try to imagine that. If you have, if you would have never have seen yourself in a mirror, mm -hmm. in a water reflection or whatever, mm -hmm. how old would you feel? I always say that every year I'm 28, 29 years old. That's the way I feel. When I go to the gym, I cannot work out my son. Yeah. You know? So with that being said, I still feel very young mind. I still have a very young heart. Yeah. You know, uh, well, when you work with youth, right? You work like me. I work with youth. So, one thing I've missed, like during this COVID time, mm -hmm. is is the interaction with the young people. I do miss that because I get energy from them. Yeah, that's a I do get thing. energy from them. Yes. The last project I did in MacArthur Park, we made five mini documentaries, and that was the last project before the COVID. Right. So after Radiotron, we did five little documentaries. So I got a call from the Levitt, and they want me to do an hour show on Radiotron. Yes. And and then um, before COVID, I had uh, I was working with Generation Hip Hop Global and we're going to take Radiotron to like different countries, you know? Right. Then COVID hit. There there is a Radiotron in Argentina and there was one in in uh, in um, Lebanon in uh, in, per in Portugal. Wow. Because they'll see it because now with the, with with internet, you know. Yeah. They'll they'll see it and then they'll 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 text me like Hey, you know, we want to start a center. Can we call it Radiotron? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I, dude, I don't, a lot of people want to claim things. They want to own things. Like, I've never claimed that I own it. Like, you know how, how, how I got to use the name Radiotron? Is that, um, I, I incorporated Youth Break Center Incorporated, nonprofit organization. Right. But the kids didn't like that. They were like, no, we want Radiotron. I go, no, it's, it's not, I don't own that name. That's from the movie. I don't own that name. But we don't care. We're still going to call it Radiotron. <laughs> right, right. That's so I go, okay. So I wrote a letter to Canon Films, and I asked permission. I asked permission. Can I use the name Radiotron? The kids want to use Radiotron. So Canon Films wrote me a letter, and they said, we give you permission to use Radiotron for the benefit of community youth. And that's why I use it. Awesome. You know, I have mad respect for Radio Club and Radio Club crew and, and Ice-T and the glove and it. Everybody that came out of that, I always give them respect. Yes. And I always give them credit in every interview, in every documentary, and everything. I give respect because it's due to them. Right. Because they started that. And I started a youth center. And I didn't want to call it Radio Radio. Right, right, but, right. But the kids did. So I got I asked permission. And it was granted to me. So it's it's uh hopefully we cleared things up. Yeah. You know, uh uh, but you didn't answer my question. How old do you feel? You know, I don't feel. I'll tell you this. I don't feel old. I give me a number. Give me a number. I like to say like, um, no, bro. I don't have a number. Bro. I, can't, <laughs> I can't give you a number, man. I'm not gonna. Oh. I'm not gonna put myself in that. Okay, in that, I, I'm that. gonna give you a number. Okay. Mm. Say say once again that we just hung out. We were both blind. You know, whatever. I would say this guy's got to be 30 years old. No. I'm dead serious. No. 
I'm I'm dead serious. You a youngster, man. You a youngster. I, I, I'm a youngster in 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 spiritual. Yes. Yes, yes I am because yes. there's so it's so vast. You know? I mean, talking, uh, just vibing off of you. You know, the energy that I get from you. You know, the chemistry is like this guy's a youngster right here. This guy's a youngster. I mean, the sad thing is we're getting old, but you're you know how I started youth work. I better think, man. Hanging off the uh, the freeway overpass on Wilton and Sunset Boulevard. I was hanging off the, because I had just gone to the audition, you know, for like the walking proud and all this stereotype. Right. Like there's not much work for a Chicano tap dancer, you know? <laughs> so I was like, God, you know, you give me this talent, but I can't, I can't eat from it, you know? Right, right. So I'm hanging off the freeway, you know, I'm hanging off the freeway, like I'm about to jump, right? Really? Yeah. Like and then, uh, and then I see my mother, you know, she always lights a, a una vela. Sí. I would say, Mom, why do you like the vela? She goes, no, para que te proteja Dios, you know. So, so I'm hanging off the freeway, and then I see my mother's vela. It worked. Right. <laughs> when your mother lights a vela, yes. it works, bro. I see the vela, you know. And then I go, God, what do you want me to do? And God put in my heart, use your talents to serve the, to serve the youth. And I didn't even like kids. I like, I don't want to work with <laughs> But But see... When you ask, when you ask God, you have to listen. Yes. And God's gonna put it in your heart. So don't if you don't wanna if you don't want that, don't ask. Like don't see like you ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And God's gonna put it in your heart. But see, God's also gonna give you the gift it to equip you. Exactly. So so I said, How can I how can I do that if I can't even save myself? Right. And then God said, Well, don't ask me. Right. Well, why right. are you asking me that? Right. If you don't believe me, why are you asking me? I go, you're right, God. So I got off the freeway and I walked to the Red Shield Youth Center. Right. Which was where I used to hang out with the homies in front, you know? Right. And I went and knocked on the door. It was uh, Salvation Army Youth Center, right? And knock on the door. And they opened the door and I go, I'm here to work. And they go, We don't have a job. I go, No, I didn't say I want a job. I'm here to work. Donate my time. Well, what do you do? So I show my resume. I go, Look, I can do dance, theater, you know? And they go, We're opening a performing arts center. We have a new building and we're looking for a supervisor. And I go, I'll tell you what, let me work one week. You don't have to pay me. And if you like my work, hire me. A week later, I'm performing arts supervisor for the Rachel Youth Center on Pico and 11th Street. And you know what the play I was doing? Oliver Twist, <laughs> the, one that, <laughs> the, one, <laughs> the one they told me <laughs> I, should have, I should have applied for that. I should wow. have applied for that, you know? Wow, wow. <laughs> you know, a lot of times people have like ambition. People like feel like, you know what? I feel led to do this. I always like to say this, that God put that in your heart to do it. it it's, it's a God-given drive. It's a God-given passion to go ahead and do it. God had blessed you to bless the youth. He equipped you to yeah. bless the youth. Yeah. And um, with me, I like to say that God blessed me with with multiple talents, and uh, which I'm not going to get into, but I believe that God had blessed me. But I will say this, Carmelo, is that I truly believe that I have been blessed to be a blessing. Yes. And in so many reasons, in so many ways, the way you explain yourself, like, I don't care if I die with nothing, you know, I, I'm content with what I have. You know, I don't strive to be rich. I, I really don't. Yeah. If I can bless others, if I can open doors for others, and I've always preached this on Rodian Radio, if I can bless others, if I can help someone surpass whatever I have accomplished, that's fine. All I ask from that one individual, do the same for the next man. Yeah. 
Just open the door for the next man. That's yeah. all. Don't shut the door behind you yeah. because we've had others that have come in before and have shut the door because they wanted all the shine, they want all the glory, they wanted all the fucking money. I'm not like that. I'm not. When when we die, we're not going to take nothing with us. Yeah, exactly. So while we're here, let's bless others. Yeah. So that's all I want to do. So no, I've seen your show, and that's why I'm here because I see you're about uh, uplifting la gente. Sí. And, and and you're creating a space. Yes. I mean, there's times when I watch a show where I might even be, be feeling like a certain kind of way, and then somebody talks and they inspire me. They're like, oh, okay, I needed that reminder. Yes. You know, I needed to hear that. I needed to hear yes. that, you know? And it puts things in perspective, you know? Yes. So you created a platform and you're growing. What I, what I see is us collaborating on a film. That, that's I see, what I, was, I see you working on sound, you know, I see you creating. Yes. The Alvarez production. <laughs> Let's, right. let's create that let's, let's create that you know let's do it I mean I see it you know I, I, I see it I, I, that's one of the things I was interested in because I'm like and this brother knows music you know you know. it's funny that you say Alvarez production I'm going to tell you why my father was I was one years old and my father was one of the first guys that I, I ever knew that ever had a freaking camcorder back in the when I was one okay and you know how we started off our first film, and I have it on DVD because he had it on, you know, reel to reel, I guess, you know, on the projector. We had that transferred to VHS and eventually had a transfer to DVD. And here's how we started every film when it pertained to our family Alvarez Production. Oh, nice. Yes. Right, there it is. There it is. There. See, he wrote that. It's already, see, he created that. Yes. See, he, he manifested. Yes. Created that. Yes. But when I when I saw you and I said, okay, this guy knows how to mix. He knows about music. He was like, yes. it's authentic. See, it, you're authentic. You're authentic. You're the real deal. You know. Thank you. And that and that and that matters. Yes. If you're creating a sound of an era. You want to get the real people. You know. Right. To create right. that sound. You know. One thing that I want to tell you that if we ever work together, please make me write things down because I have a photographic memory that I remember everything yeah. from the beginning to the end to the middle, and I'll be like, I'll be like, let's just film this. I know, but. Did you write it down? No, I just follow me. And I drove my team crazy when I filmed my first documentary. Yeah. Uh, but Tom, we need to put this down on paper. Just follow me, and I, we can't work like that, Pedro. No, yeah. I have a photographic memory. And well, I, you know, I'm, I've been, I've been writing. You know, like I sent you a little bit of a trailer yes, yes. of the last play that I did, Filos Tres. Mm. And uh, please, let's talk about that. Yeah. So Filos Tres, uh, when um, when I didn't get a number. <laughs> <laughs> when I got blank, when I got a blank jersey, you know, mm -hmm. and and I jumped on the bus, on North Broadway bus, going to downtown, you know, yes. to do the Halle, and I and I saw people outside, you know, this was 1971. They were free los tres. I didn't know what that was, so I'm like, what's that? Who's free los tres? Why don't we know about that? Right. We know about the walkouts. We know about the Chicano moratorium, but what's free los tres? Right. So I, I had my mother's primo named Mangas, Mangas Colorado. He was one of the East LA 13, like the 13 that, that went to trial for the walkouts, right? Oh, okay, okay. So, so he was part of that, Mangas, uh -huh. right? So he passed away like three, three, four years, three years ago. And I went to pay respects to the familia. Yes. So I was there and there was a primo there and everybody said, hey, you should talk to Miguel, you know, he's into theater, you know? Yeah. And I go, hey, Miguel, you're interested? He goes, yeah. I go, well, I do plays at Casa 0101. Right. And in fact, he had seen some of my plays, but he didn't know me, you know. Right. I was an actor in some of the plays. I told him, hey, I always wanted to do a play about 
about Frilos Tres, you know, Los Tres. And he goes, yeah. I know them. I know those guys. There's two of them are still alive. No shit. So he introduced me to them, right? And they gave me the permission to do their story. So there were three Chicanos uh -huh. in 1971. They got arrested because they were pushing the heroin out of, out of the barrio, you know, out of the projects. Okay. And um, so so this biker guy was a, a federal agent, was posing as a drug dealer. So he wanted to buy some some heroin, some chiva, you know, from those guys. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't have any. They were chasing the dealers out of the barrio. Yeah, yeah. So 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 they they set him up. It was like a double stain, you know, like like they were setting up this biker they thought was a drug dealer, but the biker was a federal agent and he was setting them up because he thought they were drug dealers. <laughs> so bottom line was that they were all packing. The biker was packing, they were packing, so the bikers like, bikers like they, they, the guys are like, hey, you know, give us the money. And they're like, well, give me the dope. And when he said that, the biker began to pull out his cuete. They pulled out theirs. They shot. They missed. The biker got shot in the back. Now, if I'm confronting you here. Of course. How am I good? How are you going to get shot, shot in the back? Two things could have happened. One, the backup cops could have shot him when he jumped off his bike. Right. Or he could have shot himself when he was pulling the cuete out. Right. So in the trial... Though they were found guilty, the ballistics were inconclusive. And then an informant came forward, a Chicano that was in the Chicano movement, who came forward and said, I'm working for the government, and I was hired to dismantle the Chicano movement and to bring drugs and guns into the Chicano movement. And the judge did not let him testify. And this is a true case. We went to the federal archives. We pulled out three 6,000 pages of transcripts. And the the play is based on that. Now, wow. now you know, why didn't they let the the, the infiltrator, the the inf, you know, government informant testify? You know, right. So this is a true story, and it's a beautiful story in the sense that the community rose up and they went and fought. So when I saw them, free los tres. Who would think that I'm 14 and then, you know, 40 years later, yeah, I'm doing the play. Wow. So I did Oliver Twist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Free Los Tres. Wow. Yeah. Destiny. Destiny. Wow. And, that, and see, I love that I love that story because number one, it's a real story. It's a Bohai story. It's a Chicano story. And there's lawyers, there's infiltrators, there's activists. It's not just gang. No, they were from neighborhoods. Yeah, it's true. But it's not about that. It's about La Raza getting the heroin out of the barrio. Yeah. In the right. height of the Chicano movement. Right. So, so that's what it's about. During the break, you shared with me something about Antonio Villaraigosa. Yeah. Can you share that little bit story? Well, Antonio Villaraigosa and uh, Gil Cideo, the councilman who who funded the play, in fact. Yes. Uh, and um, Marilena Durazo, who's a state senator, uh, Antonio Rodriguez, who's a civil rights attorney, they were all part of that. Along with Angela Davis and Jane Fonda, they were all in the committee to Filos Tres along with Brick Corona, Gorky, Gonzalez. It was it, it was a big case, bro. It's a landmark case. Now, it was a landmark case because they charged him with the uh, Jesse James stature, yeah. which is stealing federal money right from the Jesse James when he robbed stagecoaches. Right. How are they going to throw that on the last? <laughs> so they went, and, they went and made an appeal on that, and they won the appeal, and they took that off, you know? Yeah. So they reduced the sentence, you know? But it's a landmark case, and it's a, it's a good story because... We talk about content, writing stories. Yeah. So this is a story, bro, and it's a. It was the play was a success, and 
you know, or it's going to be a film one day or a series. Yeah. So Free Los Tres, and then I'm working on a hip-hop story I can't talk about. But yeah. You're going to help me with that. Hell, we're going to work on that. Hell we're, yeah. Let's we're going to work it. on the music on that. Yeah, let's do we're it. We're going to do that, you know. Let's do that. Si se puede. You know, nada que no es que... Uh, no esques, bro. No esques. There's no reason why we're not going to work on We need that. to start hashtagging that no esques. <laughs> <laughs> and Alvarez Production. <laughs> Alvarez Production. You know what? And, uh, okay, look. Uh, we're coming to a close. we got a couple of minutes, but uh, I want to share something. In 2021, I know you shared a lot of things. Just in case you might have missed something, is there anything that the fans can expect from you on 2021? Well, 2021, um, I'm doing an, another Raider Tron. With the Levitt, with the Levitt. Hopefully, it'll be outside, you know, with the COVID. But yeah. they're prepared to do a uh, a streaming. Yeah, so okay. they're prepared to do a streaming. So I'm going to show some archival rare footage of Radiotron in that show. Okay. And um, and then I'm working on a on a series, a hip hop series. Yes. That you're gonna you're gonna right. be a part. You're gonna be a part of that. You heard him live. I'm saying on it. I'm saying it. Radio. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. You know, because yes. you're 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 authentic, but you're the real deal. And uh, and then I'm also working on another another play, uh, another uh, script uh, about a cir- about a circus a Brazilian girl that grows up in a circus. You know, okay. it's a beautiful coming of age story. Yes, because I also am into the circus arts. Awesome. You know, I'm a, I'm a sad clown. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what my clown name is? Sipin. No, I don't know. It's hey hey. But you gotta go like that. Hey. <laughs> See, put a smile on your face, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Hey. Awesome. Hey. <laughs> so so that's what I'm doing. So uh film, series, live streaming show, or or you know, pre-recorded. Yeah. And then my goal is to plant seeds in the poorest countries and the poorest neighborhoods in the United States. That's beautiful. And give give seed money. Give seed money. I'm not gonna run and run. Right, right. right. I'm, see, I'm too. I am too old for that. <laughs> I am too old for that. I'm not doing that. I right. I did it over 40 years, and and now I'm focusing on writing content and producing. But I'm gonna give seed money. Okay. I'm gonna give seed money to my children first, and then I'm gonna give seed money to communities that are struggling. Say a community they need DJ equipment. They got it. You know, they, that's that's a, that's a no-brainer. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, that's right. a reality show. Like, find out what they need, show up, give right. it to them. But they do have to write. They have to write a little something. Right. You know why they want that and yeah. what their goals are. You know. Um, let me ask you this, Carmelo: Is there a book at all in the making? Um, it's we we did a book. In fact, we did a book for the thirty third. Had like had everybody there, like right. from. Uh, Curtis Blow and Shabadoo. Yeah. In fact, Shabadoo wanted, we self-published Shabadoo. The last conversation that I had with Shabadoo yeah. is he wanted to publish that book. Okay. Yeah. You, you know. The Radio Trump book. Okay. Just for the, I don't know if you know the full story, because I surely don't, other than what I heard on social media, that Shabadoo had passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what he passed away of? Okay. So, like, as I mentioned, like my, my rule of thumb is if I'm not there, I know. I'm not going to speak on it. Right. Like the things that I'm speaking on. Right. Realtron, I was there. Right. So people want to talk about it. But when I look to my right, I look to my left, they ain't there. Right. So they can only speak on what they heard. Right. But you got to get it from the source. Right. So if I'm not the doctor and I'm not there and I'm at the right. family, I'm not going to speak on it. 
Okay. I got to respect that. Yeah. I got to respect that. Okay. Other than that, at this point, is there anything I didn't ask you or anything you want to share or if anybody you want to shout out? Well, I just want to share to to the people listening that uh, create your possibilities. Yes. You know, uh, happiness is a choice. Yes. You're still going to have feelings, but you're not your feelings. <laughs> you know, like choose happiness. It's a choice. It's a conscious yes. choice, you yes. know, and, um, and, and, and create spaces like don't, don't neglect that part of hip hop that we need incubators. Like where, where are the people going to practice? Like, okay, who, who are we sending to the Olympics? Why, why is it in Paris? Because Paris supported the youth. Korea supports the youth. You know that in Germany, they formed the hip hop political party. It's on the ballot this year. Wow. In Germany. Okay. They have a hip hop political party. It's called Urbano. So there's the sky's the limit. This is this is our time, bro. Awesome. Man. This is our time, man. We can do it. We got this. <laughs> As Rosa says, we got, got this. this. We got this, man. That's let's awesome, let's man. do this. Yeah. We got this. It's all good. We got this. Let's do this. That's beautiful. So that's all I want to share. Shout out to my to my kids, to my grandkids, to all the hip hop community, because there's too many to list. <laughs> yes, if yes, I start yes, listing yes, everybody yes. to the graffiti art community to the hip hop dance community, to the breakers, the poppers, the pop lockers, you know, to the DJs, the MCs, to the beatboxers, you know, to to all the rasa and especially to knowledge, bro. To yes. knowledge. You know, understand that you're a divine being and you're here for a purpose. Find your gift. Align that gift that you have with your purpose in life. And that's gonna open up all the doors to possibilities. Like Play in that realm. Play in the realm of possibilities. Yes, that's where you want to be. There's, it's, it's possible. If you, if you think it and you say it, it it's going to become an action. Awesome. Okay, everybody. Uh, once again, first of all, first and foremost, I want to thank Carmelo Alvarez uh, for being here, uh, for giving me the honor and the pleasure to interview him. Uh, he's blessed me tonight. He's blessed you guys with uh, wisdom and knowledge and with history. And with that being said, uh, there's two individuals that I want to name. And every time they have interviews, they never mention one thing, where they're from. And I'm going to go ahead and just say it. Boogaloo Shrimp, which is Michael Chambers, uh, name's Turbo, came out of Breaking 1 and Breaking 2. And uh, Coco came out of Breaking 2. They're both from the city of Wilmington. I don't know why they don't claim it. I don't know if they're ashamed. I don't know. But uh, Coco's from the west side. Uh, uh, Michael Chambers, Boogaloo Shrimp, Turbo is from the east side. I stay in the East. We all grew up together. Well, I've seen, you know, I uh, Boogaloo Shrimp's like one year older than me. He's the one that taught me how to pop. I started popping in front of Steve Yano's stand, and that's how I got a job. That's how I met Steve. If I would have never learned how to pop by Boogaloo Shrimp, I probably would have never met Steve. So there's a connection there. So, but uh, those two guys uh, have pretty much have been seen all over the world just in those two movies, whether we're breaking one or breaking two. So other than that, don't ever forget where you came from, Okay. Other than that, uh, Carmelo Alvarez, thank you very much, my brother. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to give a shout out to Anthony, who's running the shit. Like, he's running it. Good job, Anthony. Yes. And uh, what we're going to do, we need another intern because Rodian Radio is growing. And I said at the beginning of the show, by the middle of this year, we're going to be moving into a bigger building. And uh, if, if not by the middle of the year, by the end of the year, we'll, that's our vision. That's Tony's vision. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Alex Cervantes, Cervantes Enterprise. I want to give a shout out to my son, B. Scanless, 
uh, Brian for helping me promote this shit. I want to give a shout out to everybody that subscribed, liked, comment, uh, whether it's positive or negative. It doesn't matter. You guys are still here. Uh, Roberto Hernandez, is that his name? Thank you for making it rain on the live chat. Much love, much respect. Other than that, may Radio Tron live. Carmelo Alvarez, Tony Alvarez Production, Raza. Put your hands up. <laughs> or put your hands up. And we that's, out. That's right. See you Sunday.